Welcome to the Republican Professor. This morning we have with us Dr. Brian Ray. And joining us from Texas is Curtis in his palatial mansion, his library with the the oak cabinets with those old books. And you have a lot of books behind you too, Dr. Ray. Yeah, I wanted to look scholarly today. And so I did not use my virtual, my virtual, maybe I'll turn on my virtual later and we'll, we'll use that to talk about something. <laughs> That's cool. Cool. And um, I'm in California. Uh, Dr. Ray, you're joining us from Salem, Church. Oregon, Western Salem. Oregon. Western Oregon. Okay. Beautiful yeah. area. Yeah. We have two different states here, Western Oregon and east of the Cascade Mountains. <laughs> yeah. And what are those two states like? Well, if we're going to be talking, you know, topographically, climatologically and all that, and flora and fauna, we go from the west side to wet, wet. We always tell Californians mm. wet. And, uh, and uh, over on the east side, as soon as you get to the peak of the mountains, literally within five minutes in your car, it, it changes to a uh, semi-arid desert, uh, more open uh, still forest, but much more open, tumbleweed, pronghorn antelope, you know, and so then uh, politically, philosophically, of course, these are wide generalizations, politically, philosophically, but the West side, especially the Northwest side is heavily, I'll say leftish. Like wet, wet behind the ears. Leftish, <laughs> leftish. So that, uh, so you're on the West side. So that would include you. I'm on the West side. <laughs> Well, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> the <laughs> philosophy of life. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, the east side is a little more, a little more cowboy and all that. But yeah, there are a couple spots where the Californians have moved in and changed the political climate there, too. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I, I don't understand why California manufactures such idiots. But <laughs> well, you've got, you've got I, it's the, not me. It's not me. Well said. You've it's got the you've me. got the government school system K twelve and then yeah. you have the universities and that's heavily influences everything in life everything yeah yeah that that doesn't matter which state it is anymore it seems like right that's well right. which gets us into our topic which is homeschooling today and you work in homeschooling your background is in science science education right uh, a BS and an MS in legit science and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and then you got a PhD in science education, which is really awesome. Uh oh, now we're we're getting over there a little bit of that illegitimate social science stuff, right? Well, <laughs> it's um, well, it's um, it you 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 work for the tell us what you work for the national right? Yeah, so yeah. it's a, a nonprofit research institute, the National Home Education. Research Institute, N-H-E-R-I. Mm. So we could refer to it as NERI or the Institute. And, you know, it is a, it's a 501c3 nonprofit. It's a, we do research, you know, we're here to serve the public. We try to do sound research and be fair in presenting empirical evidence on home education, mm -hmm. period, or home education compared to what's happening in institutional schools. That's what we focus on. I mean, I, I taught for a few years at universities, colleges, uh, but you know, I just went full-time and this has been my full-time work for over 25 years now is just an independent researcher. Basically it's, it's a think tank, you know, yeah, we yeah. all have our, we all have our worldview and our purposes, but it's an independent think tank. And we focus on 
education, specifically parent-directed, home-based education. Very now, cool. why is that important? Why is it seems like a lot of work for the parents? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> well, how do I, you? Is it just for people that are rich enough to have somebody at home, or is it? Tell us how you work. The, I mean, yeah. how do you think of that? Uh, what, yeah. what What's the goal of home education? Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. I'm 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 acting. I get it myself, but for those out there who are listening that don't quite get it, they 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 yeah. they think that we just need to improve the public schools and yeah. anything that. Yeah. Steer oh, man. energy oh, man. away from that. <laughs> Republican <laughs> professor, you just asked 10 questions. Oh, 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 oh. So I'm not sure where to start, but oh, I'm gonna, you know, when you when you when you present something, you're supposed to make a point and then you, you know, you work it out and then you make the point again, and then you want to make sure you leave your audience with the point, right? Uh, so I, I'll yeah. say this: the questions that you just asked relate to what is the purpose of any education, whether it's done by government run institutions, whether it's done by a privately run institution, or yeah. whether it's done by a parent directed setting, all of it has a philosophical answer. And, and I think that's what's so crucial because we'll come back to these practical things like who can or who should or who maybe could, you know, money and wealth and all that. Well, I think we come back to that. But I think people need to remember that throughout history, throughout human history, thousands of years, education has been a lot about learning basic skills to be able to live in life, earn a living, mm. run a household, run a business. That's huge right there. there commerce, all that's been a part of yeah, it. That is. Yeah. But another equally important part. But the public schools has, aren't doing that. Oh my think. goodness. Oh my goodness. But you know, an equally important part has been the transmission of values and ways of thinking. So yes. it's all it's all wrapped up together. And I think what most Americans, most people in most nations forget is that let's go back to the beginning of institutional schooling in America. Mm -hmm. We did not have, we basically had parent-led education up until about 1900. Hmm. And, and when people started pushing, 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 some people, some people, Remember that pushing for <laughs> yeah, state, yeah, state, state run education. So we're going back to the 1880s. It had a lot to do with how are we going to make these kids into our vision of Americans? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Go right. now fast forward to the 1990s. How are we going to make these kids into our vision of good Americans? Yeah. Now let's go to the 2020s. How are we going to make these kids into our vision of good Americans? It hasn't changed one bit. Yeah. It hasn't changed one bit, but that's, those, that's whoever, yeah, whoever's in power and control gets to try to mold their vision of the next generation. Mm -hmm. So that's what, that's what parent led home-based education, you know, the, the modern movement, when you go back to the modern movement uh, about 40 years ago, many of those first people talking about it, going back to parent led education, they knew exactly that they knew it had a lot to do with ideology the philosophy mm -hmm. of pedagogy it had a lot to do with all of that yeah. and of course reading writing arithmetic how you teach it and helping kids to be able to be productive and happy in life so they knew that i mean it, it's the roots if you go whether you go to john holt kind of on the secular side or you go to you know right-wing fundamentalist christians they both knew 
that it had to do with a philosophy and practical applications. Yeah. Yeah. So when you put it that way, I love how you approach the answering that question. You said, well, let's just zoom out of human history yeah. and let's see what's normal in human history. We're we actually abnormal. We have, you're right. We have to do that. It's, yeah. This institutional schooling, whether it's in Germany, Switzerland, China, here, it's a, it's a blip in history, a blip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But we, we can also go back and some people argue with me say, well, no, well, what about Plato? Well, yeah, Plato also likes schools because he wanted, <laughs> he wanted the citizens to be of form by the state. So he liked schools in some ways. But we didn't have institutional schools as we have in the last 150 years. That's a, that's a blip in history. Um, so, and, and people, and so, some people actually hate home-based education because it allows the parents to have, from their perspective, too much influence in the child's life. Yeah. As if that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're 40, 40 years ago, we were talking about the importance of parental involvement in education. Now we have some professors and a lot of teachers who do not want parental involvement. And it was like, <laughs> no, we do not want parental involvement. We got to pass a law to allow parents to see the curriculum. That's very I mean, interesting. That's, that's mind blowing. That's like well, for, mind yeah. blowing. Yes. For most of human history, the parents have been involved from the beginning of the child. That's right. You know, and, you <laughs> and know, now so- we're experimenting <laughs> with, oh, you don't need to, to be involved with the beginning of your child. Of course, there's always been like orphans and adoption and stuff. But Sure, sure. Hey, but you know, I like Dr. Mather, how you said that. You know, when people say, well, they, may, they might ask an advocate of homeschooling. They might ask you. They might ask me, should I homeschool? Here's the real question. Your child was born <laughs> in, a, in a hospital or home birth, whatever. Um, what'd you do? Oh, you cuddled, you nursed, you talked to. But actually, maybe, some, maybe you were talking to him while he or she was in the womb, you know, and born and they starts to cry and you feed him and and he starts to crawl and you're talking about, hey, this look at this pretty red flower. Oh, look at this fuzzy brown bear. You're, you <laughs> are home educating. So the question arises, yeah. when the child hits four or five, why do you want to send your child away to an institutional school? Yeah. What, you, you're already home educating. Why are you sending your child away to an institutional school to be taught by people you barely know? who are government controlled with a curriculum that's government controlled mm-hmm. with a random semi-random assortment of 28 children plus or minus 11, 11 months their age mm-hmm. and let it rip for 12 years. Why do you want to do that? What's the compelling argument for sending your child away to be institutionalized for six hours per day, five days per week, nine months per year? That's, that's really, I think, how we have to look at this historically. Sure. I mean, that's a great framing of the issue. And what I love about that is you're getting... It's very, uh, it's like what we do in philosophy class. We ask fresh questions about stuff that you take for granted, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a purpose for that. There's a reason we do that. It, it, I mean, people who teach philosophy badly uh, may give it a bad name, but I mean, there would be a reason why you would ask fresh questions like that to get people yes. to think it's pr- to prompt prompt thought and reflection. We want and, to do that. Uh, that's, yeah, that's, what's, the, what's the answer for, for most parents? What do you think the first thing, I mean, I have in my mind, I think I know what the first answer is. 
uh, of why they why they want yeah. to send them away or not send them away. Yeah, I yeah. think I think the first answer for the vast ma- let's just talk about Americans, but this could equally apply <laughs> basically to anybody in the world. For the vast majority of parents, they send them away when they turn five because that's what they did when they were children, and that's what everybody around them does now. Hum- I believe humans. I believe humans at the base without some real thinking are they're kind of conformists, you know, they're, mm-hmm. that's they're, they're exactly kind of, it right there. You're kind of conformists. And if everybody's doing X, why would I want to be stand out like a sore thumb and get pecked on like a, a chicken in a chicken yeah. yard? You know, why do yeah. I want to be different? Why should I be different? And, well, and, and even making a small change, it takes, it takes an, a, a large amount of courage, you know, to stand against the, the tide. Yeah. I mean, it, it applies in, I think, almost any field, uh, whether you're talking about gardening the normal way with a lot of herbicides, pesticides, whatever, or yeah. trying, trying organic gardening, or instead of watering your garden with the big thingy that is a water sprinkler that goes like that and it waters all the weeds versus how about trying drip irrigation? Nobody does it that way. nobody did drip irrigation 35 years ago but my wife and i started doing it and guess (laughs) what it's pretty popular now and it has a lot of a lot of good reasons behind drip irrigation you know you you just gotta ask those questions and i don't think most people want to do that i think a, a secondary reason would be that it's basically free babysitting well, it's did, not you, free. did you really say did you really say that well i mean i'm just i'm just reading the minds <laughs> but, of, they're, but they're busy well, it's because they're busy they're so but busy. see it's only babysitting during it's not babysitting during the times you would work because it's not like the public schools go okay what's your work schedule okay we'll yeah. work around that they don't do that they just say no this is our work schedule <laughs> you know that's right uh, our <laughs> union uh you know our union is uh pitching for us for uh 27 hour uh classroom week and you know prep periods and yeah stuff like that recess lunch um and you know that's you 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 gotta fit around that but that's not necessarily when parents work no you 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 read them you did read the mind i've had i've literally had parents tell me that when we just, you know, have a discussion and you meet somebody at the gas station or in the store or on the street and you're talking, well, what do you do? What do you do? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I've had parents say, oh yeah, we thought about homeschooling. And, and this dad literally said to me, we would not have our free babysitter then. Like, <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you really say Well, that? I feel, I've, I've felt that way in college. I'm like, why are you guys here? They're not yeah, taking sure. notes. They're looking at their phone. Yeah. They just assume they're going to get an A because they know that they can complain they heard that from somebody that you can complain yeah 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 and it's just like uh at some point you're like why am i even showing up i Mm. I don't understand it's like they they have that same mentality they've been babysat for so many years in k through 12 and they know they know it they know they're being babysat and they haven't been challenged i mean the kids are stupid but they're not stupid if that makes sense (laughs) they have they have the app they have the aptitude but they don't have the achievement yeah yeah that's a good way to put it well and if and if they if they're not being challenged with the with the material that's being put in front of them, then they'll create other ways to challenge themselves, like get their way and like not have to work hard, like, you know, well, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And in college, it's not that they're not being challenged. It's that. The, well, I, I guess um, 
they don't feel forced to be challenged. Yes. It's a, it's a weird thing. Yes. It's just a weird thing where they, you can, the challenge is there, but you know, right. And basically in the state run public schools, you can be there with your body present and do, you know, half, maybe three fourths of your homework assignments, participate a little bit and you get a diploma. That's it. You, you, you don't have to do much more I mean, and more colleges like that. Oh, and I, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I had, there are man, some masters, talk, there are some master's degrees that are becoming like that. As far as I know, the PhD and some of the professional degrees may be the only holdout. And I'm not even sure about some of the professional. Degrees. I was teaching a graduate school in Seattle in education. I had, well, I, I'm, I'm not, I'll just say the facts. I had lady, students come into my office. I kept the door open <laughs> and uh, crying, crying to me because they'd never gotten a B before. B is in Bravo. In statistics class, they were getting a B and that was horrible. And it was probably my fault. <laughs> like, cause I never got B's before. I can relate to that. <laughs> I, I, I've heard, I've, I, you don't know how many times I've heard that. Yeah. It's, it's just all it's all over and it seems like it's always the b plus students they're just so <laughs> devastated <Right. laughs> i cannot but i'm devastated yeah all I'm right like, i'll it's tell a b plus I'll, what are you talking about devastated the I'll c plus people are like school. yeah yeah i guess maybe and it sounds it sounds like a little bit like we're we're criticizing the, the government-run public schools in a way we are it's 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 not necessarily any individual teacher it's a system mm -hmm. exactly and, and some and, and the parents, like you said, the parents are conformist. Yeah, it's a system. Look how great my student is doing. He gets straight A's. Yeah, but yeah, what does he know? Yeah. Did, did he read is, anything? No, yeah. <laughs> this this is 1991. How long goes? I'm going to tell you a story from 91. So that's 30 years. Yeah. So so we Nixon, think Nixon was president, right? We th yeah, we think things are kind of like bad <laughs> today in the public schools. I was teaching at a public school, high school, in Seattle, Washington for a long-term uh, substitute for a, a man who had cancer. And so I'm in science and math with these students. It was fun, you know, and, and this is for, uh, they call them at-risk youth, right? So they're drug out, gang out, whatever out, kicked out, girls and boys. And after a few weeks, I'm giving most of the students, a lot of them Ds and Fs, D is in Delta and Fs. So the principals, vice principal comes, he said, what are you doing, Dr. A? They're all getting, Autumn are getting D's and F's. I said, they're getting D's and F's because they don't do any work. They won't do their assignments or anything. Well, you got to understand, you got to understand this, you got to understand that, and you got to understand, yeah. you know, blah, no, no, blah, no, no, blah. No, 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 you have to understand. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> no, I already do understand. That's the problem. <laughs> the funny thing is, is that it's so... <clears throat> what you're saying is so twisted and backwards. It's like so, you come under the microscope. If, if there's a lower achievement for the student, let's, let's take a closer look at Dr. Ray. Thank you. Let's, thank you. Let's put him well, under a microscope. Um, what a, now what the, a nice, the kid never looked under the microscope, which is the class. I mean, that was the damn class, but you know, we now let's put the microscope under, you know, put your finger under here, Dr. Ray. And the evidence, the evidence that I was not, uh, you know, mean and uh, a mean discriminatory dr ray there were some students who were getting a's and b's you know so 
uh, with some evidence. So, so she, I said, Hey, I got to keep my standards. So then she called me into the principal's office. I got called into the principal's the office. The teacher gets called in. Yeah, and just, you know, just for facts and fun. If we didn't have diversity. principals, that would never happen. If we never had principals. We had, we had, we had a, if there uh, was no principal's office, you just would have to please the teacher. And then so, Johnny would have to work a lot harder. Exactly. So we go in the principal's office. And in this particular case, you know, people think, oh, there's no diversity back then. Hey, both of them were black, black vice principal, principal. I had, I had black, brown, white, Asian students. Hey, I, it was fun, you know? So then the principal says, Dr. Ray, oh, why aren't you giving all these D's and F's? I said, they're not doing their work. So they put the screws to me a little bit. And I finally, I said, hey, look at Mr. Principal, you tell me the criteria for A, B, C, D, F for your school and I'll follow it. He quit. He said, nope, you're the teacher, you're in charge. They quit bugging <laughs> me. Like, Zam. Actually, they wanted all they want I, all their students to pass. I actually had a chair of, of a philosophy department at Loyola Marymount University, a Jesuit university. I couldn't believe it. Change a grade that I gave a student. I, wow. I gave a student a C plus. The student earned probably less than that, probably a C actually. She she yeah. inflated his grade. Yeah. I mean, she went it, it was so unbelievable. When I saw that, I knew we were dead. We were toast. unethical, unethical. Yeah. Yeah. So go back, go back to graduate school. I was in the eighties. I got called while I was being a teaching assistant in biology, at Oregon state university, doctoral student. I got called back into the prep room and the, my boss was trying to twist my arm to change a grade of one of the athletes in the class. Wow. Like this is disgusting. Like, mm -hmm. I thought, is this really happening to me? You know, they never they never do it the other way around, too. It's never that they are looking over your shoulder to, to see how high the now are you sure that it should be a, a B minus instead of a yeah. C plus? <laughs> right, right. right. Now how how can you justify this B minus? Exactly. I, I think it might be a C plus. No, the uh, bias is always toward the inflation. That's it's that's always right. it's never a neutral bias. Like my so student, still, here, here's a, here's an example. When my students ask me when I do pop quizzes, I love pop quizzes because <clears throat> the design of them is to get them to actually take notes and read, yeah, do yeah. basic stuff like that. And, and, uh, the pop quizzes that I would give were three, were three points. And I would give 10 per semester for 30% of the grades, 10 All times right. three, 30%. Right. Yeah. So there were three points and the, the possible grades are, um, or four possible grades. Um, there's no fraction of percentages. It's uh -huh. just one, two, three points. And so if there's anything wrong with this basic pop quiz, it's a real basic thing. Like uh, what's uh, Descartes view on whether we can be certain two plus two is four or something like that. It'd be something that I really emphasized in the lecture <laughs> or in the reading. So, um, you know, if there's anything wrong, but there's some good stuff, mostly good stuff, it's a two, two out of three. That's mostly good, right? That's also a 67%. Right. <laughs> and, and a major part of the grades. Okay. So this is my fight against grade inflation. Yeah. So anyway, um, the funny thing is, is that I, on the individual, it was more work for me because there were so many of these qu little quizzes. But 
on the individual one, two, three score for these pop quizzes, I never got real that really that much pushback on the individual scores. They would they would agree. Yeah, I got most of it, but not all of it. So that's two out of three. So then when they when they do like when their score for the 30 percent of, of the pop quizzes was like a C or something. That's they, then when they got the whole picture, they were like, wait, something's wrong here. And I'm like, no, I think actually this something's right here. The something you're, you're, this is a, you know, cause there'd be people that would nail every single one. And yep. those are the best students always. Yep. Those always yep. the best students. You could never accidentally. Well, anyway, yep. um, you know, these, these pop quizzes, I, I have students say other professors, let us drop the lowest, the lowest ones because uh, <laughs> I don't know what. And I said, well, that seems biased toward a higher grade. I, I typically drop the, the highest scores you get. <laughs> I dropped the two highest scores. And that's probably and they, were, they were like, wait, that is not fair. And I said, oh, let's define fairness. <laughs> OK, well, how about this? It's just I'll I'll, I'll I said I will thro throw dice. No, no, actually, we'll just flip a coin because it's binary. I'll, I'll you got a quarter uh can't say binary today okay i don't have a quarter i'm not rich enough they don't pay me enough i got a dime so heads we drop the highest two tails we drop the lowest two all right you you want to do it you want to go for it nobody would go for it <laughs> nobody would go for it they, they they would just drop it okay no no okay well yeah we'll, do, we'll take <laughs> take the you'll take the quizzes that you actually earned wait what is this it's all good. It's that's all your, good. that's it's your okay. settlement. Forget <laughs> that I was here. It's all good. It's all no, good. But it, it, the, the, the bias toward grade inflation is so <laughs> bad. And even just saying it for what it is typically gets some kind of crazy response. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I haven't not looked at it in a while, but I did look at research, research on grade inflation, maybe 10 years ago. And, and the researcher said, yeah, we think it's happening. It's, it's happening. It, you know, it's, it's out there. It's happening. You know, we have, I, I don't know the exact law, so don't quote me here, but I think our governor signed something about a year ago. You, you don't, basically, you don't have to do anything. You, you get your diploma, you get your high school diploma. It's an entitlement. It's like social security. Why should anybody, yeah. Why should anybody be responsible to show any merit or achievement? If your yeah. body's there, I guess you get a high school diploma right now in Oregon. That's, that's just kind of how it is. <clears throat> but why you know, that, that why does your us, body even have to be back. there now with COVID? <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. But you know, in a sense that that proves the, the, the claim that it's about, you know, if, if any parent or any professor or any whatever lay person out there thinks that public schools are about teaching children basic solid reading, writing, and basic math skills, if they think that's really what it's about, they're totally wrong about the public schools. Mm -hmm. uh, because if, you know, if you're saying, hey, if their body's just there six hours a day and they get a diploma, hey, they got, a, they got several doses. They got a bunch of doses of the worldview of the public schools at the time. They got the dose, you know, right into their veins. And they're being by implication and modeling, they're being taught mm -hmm. how to think and what to think or whether or not to think at all, you know, really. And, and I think that that comes back to you. I, I believe I started saying this at research conferences with, with academics years ago, and they did not like, it. and I, I would frame it very carefully. I said, whether a child is in 
public schools, private schools, or homeschooling, they are being taught, trained, and indoctrinated. They did not like that last word, indoctrinated. <laughs> but I was fair. I said, I said it's it's in all schooling, public school, private school, homeschool, indoctrination. It just means you're you're putting in, you're trying to get them to believe some propositions, some you know, some metaphysics, epistemology, and axiology. You're doing that to these kids six hours a day. It doesn't matter whether you're a pagan, an atheist, a Christian, a Muslim, a Jew, a Mormon. That's right. You're, you're doing that. You're doing that with the kids. Yeah. And I think parents, I think everybody has to realize that. And schools are powerful. They've got them for six hours per day. I mean, the, you know, the, the complaints of the Virginia parents and the California parents about the evil sex ed or the LGBTQ or the critical race theory. Mm-hmm. You know what? That's nothing new in a sense. It's just more <laughs> obvious today. Yeah. They, they were doing that stuff to the kids in the 1890s and the 1900s. I mean, one of the reasons that the Roman Catholics fought government-run schooling was they knew that some of these controllers wanted to turn dirty Irish Catholic immigrants into the right kind of America. I mean, come on. That's about as bigot as you can get. And so, the, you know, the Catholics yeah. fought that. And they said, hey, if you're going to do that, you got to give us tax money, too. And the government said, no, I'm, I'm glad, because if they'd taken tax money, they would have been controlled more. And yep. nowadays, any, right. any private education, whether it's an institutional school or homeschool, they take money from the government, from you and me, they've got to be controlled to some degree by mm-hmm. the government. Mm-hmm. So it is always about teaching, training, and indoctrination. And that's indoctrination, I'm not using it as a dirty word. I'm using, I'm using it as a factual word. Just you're teaching values to kids. That's what you're doing. That, that, I, that's a good point right there. That <laughs> they're teaching values. and Because I, I was thinking about, you'd get a lot we all get a lot of pushback on the idea of indoctrination. Oh, well, it's not like they're ramming those things. Well, even, even if they're not, uh, even if they're giving them good, solid information, what they're indoctrinating them with are the values like conforming, learning how to conform, learning how to obey, learning how to just do what you're told and go along to get along and not rock the boat. Those are problems. Those are indoctrinating problems. Those are big problems to, I wish I had recorded every single little interview I've done around the world on the airplanes at gas stations and grocery mm-hmm. stores. Cause I, I like to questions. and what I've noticed, uh, uh, this is just my Brian Ray research. No, no proof. Okay. No proof <laughs> except in my head. <clears throat> I would say, I ask people, what do you, what do you remember and feel when you think about grade school? And, and then I move them to middle school and then I move them to high school. And I would say that the large majority of men, by the time they got to junior high, hated it and wanted out of there. They wanted to get out in the real world, do something valuable, concrete, mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, right. The women, it took them a little bit longer to hate it, but especially when they got to junior high and they started wondering if they were pretty or if they had too many pimples or the right clothing, mm-hmm. the mean-spiritedness stuff that happens between especially girls at that age. Uh, but I would say at least a majority of women, at least half wish they could get out of school, but they're forced to be there and get the values and the proper behavior, the conformist behavior. I'm going to bring this back to home home education for a minute. So in an academe, generally speaking, people who are of a more progressive left, whatever, talk about voice, right? Everybody has to have a voice. I got to keep my voice. I got to be able to express myself strong, right. independent, all those things. Right. Well, true progressive Which, is not on the left. Everybody's well, interested yeah, okay, in progress, but they call wherever, them. Yeah. Okay. They, they like words. They like, oh yeah, this is what, yeah. 
Words, this, words. The, we use this word so therefore it's true of us <laughs> Keep, keeping the voice so uh oh, yeah this this woman uh oh what was her name i could document anything if anybody needs to say why ray say that i got it for you i got the reference for you uh but uh, she did a, a study of young women and she found as she studied them that the girl the girls adolescent girls who are home educated kept their voice much more firmly than the young gals in public school. That completely makes because sense. Because it was not crushed out of them by the peer group and by the system that's called public schooling. When yeah, you so, say I their mean, voice, what do you mean by that? The... Their personal viewpoint, ability to express themselves, not be intimidated by people around them. Their independent so, the thoughts. They the independent free girls to disagree. Were able to Yep. The independent, the home educated young gals were able to keep that better than those in the public school. And I, and I can I see that it. very easily. Yeah. You know, you're, it's, it's important to be around other people, whether they're your age, younger, older. And again, all of this is on average, but it's very typical <clears throat> in a home educated environment. The children and the adolescents are experiencing all kinds of ages all the time. They're not stuck plus or minus 10 months their age for six hours per day in a classroom. You know, they, they interact. They, maybe they're siblings, they're homeschool cooperative. Uh, they go to scouts, they go here. They experience mom and dad as teachers. They scouts, their soccer mm -hmm. coach, the cooperative teachers. They're, mm -hmm. they're getting a variety, but it is in a respectful environment, generally speaking. Mm. And it's not becoming peer dependent it's more adult oriented research even shows that they're more adult oriented and children who are more adult oriented and less peer dependent are healthier. They are stronger. They are able to keep their voice, so to speak. And that's, that's what research is showing us about home education versus institutional schooling. Yeah. I mean, back to the indoctrinate word, I'm looking at even Merriam Webster, not that I think they're the most wonderful, to instruct, especially in fundamentals or rudiments. So that's not a dirty word. No, know? no. The, the, the military uses the word when they, they use the word when I was in the Navy for seven years. It, okay. indoc, indoc was a shorthand for training. Okay. And, yeah. and it, it, that's, that's, a, that's a faithful use of the word. It, it's, you're, it's, mm -hmm. it's in, they would call it indoc or something okay. like that, but it's, it, that's what it is. It's and, and fundamentalism has a bad rap too. But I've always said, well, but fundamentalism is a respect for fundamentals. But fundamentals are important for anything you do. I mean, if you if you can't you can't study anything without the fundamentals. If you don't know the fundamentals of logic, you can't. Um, you're going to be uh, hamstrung when you try to reason or dialogue and try mm -hmm. to find out what you think about things in martial arts the fundamentals are key you can't yeah. move forward without the fundamentals for mm -hmm. anything mm -hmm. it's the same in theology if you don't know the, the fundamentals of theology whatever position you take if it's incoherent there won't be any fundamentals absolutely or the fundamentals will be just no logic absolutely but you're if, you, if you're interested in theology the way it it's true then you will need to have some fundamentals Right. Anyway. You have to you have to know how you. Yeah, you have to. You know this. I mean, you're philosophers. You have to know how you have to know how you believe we come to know anything. What we think yeah. is real. 
what we think yeah. is real, what we think is a value. Where those are metaphysics, right. epistemology, and axiology. You know, you, philosophers you have a, a good, lot. Of you things. had a good uh, philosophy background. Where did you get your philosophy well, background? Well, I'm going to have to tell you. I, you, I'm glad you brought that up. I was thinking about it. I think it's kind of not kind of. It's it's totally ironic that most of us are called PhDs because most PhDs don't have a clue about philosophy. And they're, they're ignorant. I'm totally That's ignorant. I had, That's one of the reasons we're doing this podcast. Yeah, it's, it's, right. it's so important. And that's one thing I love about studying education and home education is I get to talk about all this. But that's awesome. to answer your question, before, before my PhD, I don't think I had any formal training or education in philosophy. And I think during my PhD, mm-hmm. remember that PhD, doctor of philosophy, mm-hmm. one course, one course. Mm-hmm. And in that course, Dr. Mather, I don't think we were taught any fundamentals of philosophy. Hmm. We were just off reading, you know, whatever, Voltaire and Rousseau and <laughs> whatever trying, the instructor like yeah, yeah, trying to apply it through at you haphazard. Trying to apply it to education. You know, how do you how do you study the philosophy of education if you don't study philosophy first? Very good. It's ridiculous. Very good. It's ridiculous. And I had I had one professor in uh, science education. Hmm. He was more philosophical than most anybody. And he was, he was indoctrinating us. I'm not kidding you. Oh, I wish I could grab this book off the shelf here. Where is that book? It was called, I'm looking for it. It was called. What the, color is it? Is it white? It's got dark kind of blue. Where is that? It's a, okay. yeah, the Aquarian, the Aquarian conspiracy <laughs> by Marilyn Ferguson. And he was indoctrinating us into new age philosophy mm-hmm. and talking about looking at children with loving eyes and Aquarius rising. And oh, this is crazy. He's a science education professor who had never published anything. And somehow he had tenure. It was just nuts. He was anyway, ten- enough for them to give him tenure. Tenure is to- really about fitting in. Yeah, it was. It, it, I, it, that, that's what people don't understand. A lot of it. tenure is really about fitting in. It's not about right. teaching well. Right. Not, not, not necessarily. There, there's a lot of people that teach really well. They're not going to ever have tenure. So tenure is just about fitting study, in. <laughs> to a department. I had to study philosophy on my own. I had to study yeah. on my own, and and actually at conference I teach little mini philosophy lectures, and I try to act mm-hmm. like the philosopher when I'm not. And yep. when I was at a private college for five years i taught the philosophy of education so i had to study That's awesome. on my own. had to do it on my own okay so i want to compliment a, a philosopher here. this is this is related to the whole topic of education i totally disagree with this guy on the on the basics <laughs> but he's one of the few honest people i've seen hmm. who believes that the government should control basically everybody and uh <laughs> <laughs> don't you love it when they just tell you what they really think yeah it's, it's kind of cool because there are a bunch of uh there are a bunch of academics out there who will they're pretty subtle sometimes they'll say well we're just we're just critiquing the research on homeschooling yeah that's all we're doing <laughs> but what they're really doing is they're critiquing the fundamentals of the philosophy of education some of them are just they have good intentions okay Others flat out, they think they don't they like do. they don't like home-based yeah, they, education. They don't like yeah, private home-based sure. education. So, so Dr. Uh, Dwyer, James Dwyer, and, and Sean Peters uh, wrote a book a couple of years ago, <clears throat> "Homeschooling: The History and Philosophy of a Controversial Practice." 
So remember, <laughs> twenty years ago, almost almost twenty years ago, almost nobody a controversial cared practice. Almost nobody cared about homeschooling, right? Who cared about homeschooling twenty years ago when it was only whatever? But now that it's three point seven million children, there might be a problem, right? <laughs> anyway. when you're talking about budgets oh then it's oh whoa, it's controversial now. did you say that word you first you talked about babysitters now you talked about budgets okay so but i want to compliment dr dwyer he does on page 156 so he, he's, he's basically a status but but at least he's <laughs> honest you know yeah. page 156 here are his the analysis of state policy regarding homeschooling will proceed from these assumptions. I'm just going to read number four. The state must have the ultimate authority to determine what children's interests are. Bingo. Wow. Let's wow. Say that. Now say that in a German accent. Let's see. Let's, <laughs> let's hear that in a fresh way. Oh, Der Stadt. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And yeah. The yeah, kindergarten. So Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they're worried about Trump. Really? (laughs) Really? That's why I just could see right through that crap. I'm like, you know, no, you love the government. Are you kidding me? You want to make it more powerful. You've been working your entire life to make it more powerful. And now you tell me you're worried about one guy. Give Mm -hmm. me a break. Give me a break. Mm -hmm. Oh, Oh, and DeVos. I mean, the total meltdown I saw about DeVos on campuses like she was the wicked witch of the west and i'm thinking you know the department of education i i forget has like i think it's an 80 billion dollar budget or something like that some crazy number and it it might mean not be that i i I forget the numbers exactly but there's there's like four thousand employees of the department of education in one state Oh, you're talking about the U.S. Department. U.S. Oh, US. I'm talking yeah, about yeah, the yeah. U.S. Department of Education. <clears throat> Not a single one of them is a teacher. Now, how Orwellian is that? It's the Department of Education. None of them are educators. <laughs> They're all bureaucrats. Giant bureaucracy. You've got so some. What? Why all that money going to what? Why isn't it going into classrooms? Yeah. You, anyway, when you, sorry. When you know. You know that in our Constitution, there is no authority given to a department to education period zero so why do we even have them but where, where are the republicans on that why do we have a u.s department of education well, you, you take the, the general the reason we're doing this podcast yeah i mean <laughs> if i'm sure you've talked about it in the constitution of the general welfare clause and to read it the way some people read it is we don't need a constitution we could do whatever we want for the people because we have a general welfare clause the whole idea of the constitution was to prescribe the limited authority of the federal government but you know it's i gone, agree it's gone i agree bonkers. It's gone it is a, bonkers. i i will say that the necessary and proper clause of of the of article one has been a, a source of many a headache in american history and so you have put your your finger on something not that they actually read the constitution but when they <laughs> when they talk to people that they think read it then the necessary and proper clause comes out. It's necessary yeah. and proper for us to have a department of education, but you know, Reagan tried to get rid of it and he got there and turns out those people actually have political power and they're able to defend themselves. The yeah. executive branch 
is able to defend itself against the the head of the executive branch, which is the president. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's 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 a huge problem. We're trying to educate people about it, which is why we're we love having you come on. But I, can I ask you really quick? Um, uh, let me ask you something really quick, but say it really slow. Ironically, I'm not, I'm not asking you very quickly, am I? I don't know why people say that. And they say, I, can, I only ask you really quick. And then they say something really slow. What do you think about Betsy DeVos? Is that controversial among homeschoolers? You know, I've never really studied her, but I'll, that's my preface. The idea of <clears throat> promoting people and parents and the public to think about choices in education and alternatives in education and encouraging parents to really think about it, that's good. Uh, the idea of using tax dollars to fund private institutional schooling or private home-based education, I would say most people within the homeschool community say, please, all we want is to be left alone. We do not want your tax dollars because we do not believe in the forced redistribution of wealth. And secondly, we do not want any control from the government. One of the beauties, yeah. fascinating, wonderful, beautiful beauties of private education is to be left alone by the government. And what a concept. Uh, Dr. Charles Glenn wrote a book <clears throat> a while back. He's very well known in the field of private education called The Ambiguous Embrace. Oh. And he talks about this. This is my summary. No matter what you want to say, <clears throat> if you take a tax dollar, you will slowly be embraced into conformity with governmental controls and you will lose your zeal for what makes you unique as a private entity. And I think he's correct. And so many people within the homeschool community, especially most of, I would call them the leaders of the homeschool community. These would be the people like the the board members of statewide homeschool organizations. Just say, just say no to tax dollars. Just leave us alone. Let us educate our children. We don't want our neighbor's money. We don't want your money. And we don't want it always comes with strings attached. It's never like it's never a get people say free gift. Is there another kind? Hold on a second. There is there is no free. Is there a non free (laughs) gift? Or there's no call now and get your free (laughs) gift. Well, can I get the non free gift? I want uh, interested in those. No, but but the, the the this money, it's it's not a gift. It's. It's it comes with strings attached. There's regulations and they might not be right away. They might be something that you don't know about from 20 years ago or from 20 years from now. It's a it's a major it's a major conversation with the homeschool leadership people right now. And it has been for 15 years. And Mm -hmm. you have 20 years ago, the government schools were saying homeschooling bad. You cannot get a comprehensive education, blah, 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 blah. Then guess what? They started marketing their public government online programs to homeschoolers. There were there were homeschool families in Idaho in one year. They got seven mailings from the public school system trying to lure them into the public school at home programs. It makes money and it puts the public school system and teachers and curriculum and professors back in control of these children. So you're right. You, you can never predict exactly where the controls are going to come from or how they're going to come. 
But you know, as, as American citizens, you, the three of us, if tax dollars are given to something, we rightfully want it to be accountable, which means control. Mm-hmm. There always right. has to be control with tax Makes dollars. Sense. Makes sense. Do any, do any of us care? I mean, when the military pays $190 for a hammer, when they could have paid 20 bucks, we get irritated, right? Yeah. There has for to be good, accountability good and control yeah. for good reason. For so good you've reason. got to control at home schooling if you give it tax dollars. You have to control it. I, I believe absolutely uh, that you have to control it if you give it tax dollars. So that's just the way it is. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, if we could roll back to, in case you start cutting me off here soon, uh, you're asking. I'm not, not going to cut you off anytime soon. This is too good. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, no. That, so that's, that's a wonderful question. And it is a, it's a very important conversation within the homeschool community. They talk about it regular, regularly. That's very important for us to know then. Yeah. And, and I, that, I that doesn't to... surprise me that are you no. familiar with Hillsdale college? Yes. Yeah. Hillsdale College, uh, the the president Larry Arn. I went to school with his daughter, by the way. Okay. Okay. But but you know Larry Arn, he um, uh, he he said many times that they have full time employees of Hillsdale. Their only job is to be based in Washington to make sure the government does not give Hillsdale any money. <laughs> you know and that's their full-time job is to constantly be on the lookout for money the government tries to give hillsdale (laughs) and so because they want to have total freedom yeah that's exactly there are many i've i've talked to many 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 homeschool moms and dads homeschool leaders homeschool lobbyists around the country all over the country for four you know almost 38 years And when they go and talk to their state legislator or their U.S. congressman or senator and they say, hi, we're the happy homeschool leaders and happy homeschool family. We're just here to tell you we care about you and we pray for you. And and then the the aide is sitting there saying, well, now what do you want? And they say, we don't want anything. We just want to be left alone. And many of these aides and congressmen and senators said, no one ever tells us that. They always want something. <laughs> Are you sure you don't want anything? We don't want anything. We want to be left alone. They're, they're, they're dumbfounded. It's hard to sell that politically, though. I mean, it, it's um, because, well, let me just raise one issue. We don't have to really discuss it. But, but feminism, and people talk about feminism, and then people who know a little bit more about feminism will start to distinguish well which wave are you talking about the first wave yeah. the second wave yeah. the third wave man, man, man. because it's you know it's not just one thing feminism and now <laughs> being a woman shocker which which kind of woman the first kind, the second kind yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, just, it's just like a disaster but but that has led into uh women in the workplace basically trying to be like men that was originally what feminism was is let's be like men Let's get in the, let's get in the workplace. And now you don't really have a choice. You have to be in the workplace because wages are deflated. You know, that whole new deal thing where you're going to have a working wage. Well, they didn't really anticipate women leaving the home during the new deal. That wasn't part of the plan. The women are going to be taking care of the kids and public schools and all that. Okay. Yeah. But still the women are mainly making sure the kids do the homework and, you know, 
you know, cooking dinner, making sure somebody is there to watch over, make sure they're not, you know, smoking pot or whatever. That wasn't even an issue in the New Deal, you know, 1930s, 40s. And, you know, feminism has, you know, tried to make it uh, appear that that was a raw deal. And we really should now, okay, then the women are in the workplace. Well, then there's more labor available for certain kinds of jobs. Well, the wages get depressed because I mean, it's just basic economics. You know, it's, it's just obvious there's, there's more people working. Well, there's, there's going to be fewer wages. So it, now you have to have people working outside the home. It seems like it, it just feels yeah. that's how a lot of people feel. And so now you're in this spider web of you have to send your kids to public school because they you you don't have energy. It's an energy issue, right? I mean, how do yeah. how do homeschoolers do it? Yeah. I mean, it that's seems like to do homeschooling really well. Yep. It, it seems like it would take a real community like of people, not just a family. It would take resources from outside that family coming in private resources, a church, a synagogue. You're getting at, that's a mosque. You're getting at a wonderful concept here. And you're right. It's, it's, we've had slowly, slowly, slowly changing culture over the years, over the years, over the years. And again, I mean, I, I am not a, uh, a metaphysical, naturalist, secular humanist, okay? But if you go with a, eh, just a raw natural world and, and uh, you know, millions and billions of mutations and chance mutations, most of the mutations are deadly and all that. And anyway, we somehow arrived at homo sapiens and, and, and for a long, long, long time, we had this pretty strong division of labor. It worked pretty well. You could do this thing. You could raise children. You could pass on your genes. And then boom, no, we got to send, we got to send both of them. That's called a mom and a dad or two partners or whatever you want to call it. They both got to go out there and work and you got to let the state raise your children six hours per day. It is a system now. And it is a, it is a monetary system. It is a philosophical system. It's a behavioral system. It's, It's all of that. And that's, I think what you're getting at in a way and so the question arises, yeah. man, oh man, can I actually opt out of this system? And I think what we have now, be, besides the fact that we have thousands of years of history of that, and people say, yeah, but times have changed. You know, we've got industry. Well, we don't have industry anymore. We've got technology. You know, I love technology, <laughs> you know, but whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm alluding to a silly movie, but. Uh, I don't know yes, which movie it is. Was it Finding Nemo? No, it was. Um, oh, was that Mary Poppins? That? No, no, it was. Uh, parent oh, Trump? The original the, Parent Trump? The, the tall guy who had his little friend Pedro, and Pedro ran for student body. Oh, president. Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's oh, right. What a That's crazy right. movie. Deb was in my logic class. Who? De- Deb, the girl that played Deb. Are you serious? I know. I couldn't believe it either. That is a <laughs> corny, weird movie, but it's funny. I'm telling you. I was like so like, starstruck. Yeah. He's like <laughs> sitting there in my office hours and I'm like, you're Deb from Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> Can you put your hair out? Oh, 
Anyway, I sorry. Started, that was at Morpork oh, College. Oh, that is incredible. That's incredible. So, so uh, you know, we have proof. We have proof. We now have 40 years of proof that you can not join that system. We have proof that you could pull yourself, your husband or wife, and your children out of that complex. You can do it. And and people say, no way, no way. We got to have two incomes. All right, I'm telling you, I, I have personal experience with hundreds, if not thousands of families. I have empirical research that shows. Okay, let me, let me tell you what people used to think. And some people still think. They frame homeschoolers stereotypically as wealthier than average, white, <laughs> white. I'm already laughing. White middle-class right-wing fundamentalist Christians. And some people still have that stereotype in their heads. It was never true and it's still not true. And we have both research and experience to support my claim. Here's hmm. the deal. We have very poor, or I, I say, we're not supposed to use that word anymore, are we? Poor. We have very low income and we have, <laughs> I know you're not trying to be politically correct. We have very high income people homeschooling. We have people homeschooling with mom and dad are either high school diploma or high school dropouts. We have people homeschooling, both mom and dad have PhDs or professional advanced degrees. We have people homeschooling who are dark skin, light skin, medium skin, melanin. We have, we have. Depends on pagans. whether it's a summertime. We have, we have pagans, atheists, agnostics, Muslims, Jews, Roman Catholics, Mormons everything and anything and everybody and people say well that's new okay, mormons no, homeschool wait hold on <laughs> what's that i said mormons homeschool hold on a second yeah some of them no, do, but, yeah. but i was going to say brian is that um that they it doesn't matter i mean no i'm it it does matter what you're saying because it's true and i believe truth matters but what i'm saying is to the folks that you're responding to it doesn't seem to matter because it seems like it doesn't whatever picture you paint of the true reality of true reality is redundant but sometimes you have to be redundant with people uh of of the homeschool demographic they, it doesn't matter what you say they'll find something wrong with it oh they don't yeah. have high school diplomas oh we'll see the, yeah. do you really want people like that teaching our oh, yeah. exactly. Exactly. they have no resources they're poor exactly. do you really want to be, they're not going to be able to feed their what about free lunches right and you you have you have fundamentalist christians home these kids are hungry they're we're hungry. not so sure we want them with their mom and dad all day we we i mean no right. literally right. you yeah. go go read go you read say, professor elizabeth bartley 2020 wanting a presumptive ban on homeschooling, a law professor at Harvard, and then read some of the responses from some others saying, whoa, wait a minute. It's a little too clear in her argument. She's not just concerned about the minuscule number of homeschool parents who do evil things to their children. She's concerned about conservative Christians. Okay, so oh, well, let, let's go back to this for a minute on the on the who can homeschool. My part of my point of talking about, as you said, the true reality of homeschool. So, you know, what's what's the face? What are the demographics? Whether you put your child in a, you know, $15,000 per year private school 
you put them in a forced redistribution of wealth and your neighbor's tax dollars, government public school, or you homeschool your children, you make choices. And yes. sometimes the choices involve physical challenges or physical, as some people call it, sacrifices. So there are plenty of homeschool families who are middle income or low income or by federal standards, this is empirical evidence, poor, poor, as in poverty, who homeschool. And guess what? They choose to live with one vehicle or two vehicles that are 10, 20, 30 years old. They choose to mm -hmm. not eat out once a week or five times a week. They choose to not go on a one week vacation every year that would cost the family a thousand or 5,000 bucks. They choose to do that. And they choose to live on one income or one full-time income and maybe a half-time income or maybe a full income and a half-time income working from home. Or maybe they come up with a family business that earns them a little extra money so they can go on vacation. Mm -hmm. So that's been going on for 40 years. We have, we have proof that people can choose to homeschool. Or we have proof okay. to choose. Yeah. We have proof to show people may continue to homeschool and not choose to get into the system. How how, how about I put it? That yeah, way? yeah, that makes sense. It, it it it's um it it's reminiscent of some of the financial books that are out there, like Dave Ramsey or something. Yeah. Just just thinking outside the box about what your options really are. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and uh, making the. Uh, implicit choices that you make on a daily basis explicit yeah. mm -hmm. well let's let's not ignore something here let's not ignore you know well you could ask the leading question well isn't it hard for a single mom or isn't it hard for a single dad to homeschool absolutely yeah <laughs> yeah do do thousands of single moms and single dads homeschool yes thousands and thousands and thousands all over the nation homeschool their children well, and to that point, I mean, isn't it difficult to have kids and raise them well? <laughs> I mean, yeah, no matter whether you send them off to public school or educate them yourself, either way, it's hard. Yeah, it's, it's work. You know, it's, it's called it's, work. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when, I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I mean, just say, you know, we, we have so much of a culture that says, I have to have my alone time. I have to have my me <laughs> time, my me time. I have to do my thing, you know, that. That's an old, old idea. I don't know if it started in the 60s or if it started in, in, in you know, five years, five years AD. But anyway, <laughs> I want what I want for me. But, yeah. you know, that, that's not what being a parent is. That, that's not what being a parent is. You know, I, I wanted to bring up the, the uh, I was listening to Jordan Peterson the other day, and he was pointing out that uh, apparently there's some, some research that was done. I haven't seen it myself, but um, that, that suggests that, it, making sixty thousand dollars a year for an income, uh, if you make more than sixty thousand, your quality of life or your your happiness level it doesn't necessarily increase. Sixty thousand is kind of that median. Yet yet we constantly we're constantly <coughs> chasing, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, and that's what makes us feel like we need more. But really, there if we just like what you're saying, make the right choice. You know, there's a there's an old book. Some people call it the Bible. And there's a, <laughs> there's a verse in it that says that, Lord, you know, don't give me so much that this happens to my yes. heart 
and don't yes. give me too little that I want to steal. Yes. And give me no, just, neither poverty nor riches. That's yeah, right. It's a, it's that's a, a beautiful food, verse. It's, it's the food, shelter and clothing concept. And I, I believe that. I mean, I, my, my wife and I've never been, nobody would call us wealthy, but we've had always had enough and we've had a happy, you very seem happy. Life. You know, it's, it's a, so, you know, back to the family is saying, okay, you earlier, Dr. Mather, you mentioned uh, yeah. the support, support. So yeah, yeah, let's, yeah. let's go to, let's go to that for a minute. And yeah, in please home-based home parent led, you know, I'm, you notice I'm using the clunky phrase, parent directed home-based education. And, mm -hmm. and you know, that's purposeful because if I just use the H word, the H word, <laughs> homeschooling, it puts up a lot of walls. Parent, oh, homeschool. Pa yeah. Parent directed <laughs> home-based education. So the parents direct it. The parents are in charge, not the government and not some group called a, a private school. Uh, it's, it's based out of the home and family, but it's not only at the home and family. It's not, it's not little Billy Bob and Susie tied to mommy's apron strings until they're 25 years old, you know? So, so that's one thing I want to know. That's the government educated kid. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And, and how about another, what would they call those checks the last two years? How about I send you another $600 yeah. check? Yeah. Yeah. The mom is still paying his cell phone yeah. bill. Yeah. Not I'm, to mention I'll, I'll your, I'm the government. I'll be your sugar daddy for you yeah, know a yeah. little longer. You don't <laughs> need to, to mention his job. internet bill so he can play his online games. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to get a job, uh, but you know, within the homeschool community. And, and again, when, when journalists call me, they always want a new story, right? A new story, a new hook. Well, Dr. Ray, isn't it true? That now there are homeschool cooperatives like well yeah, it is true they are there today they were there in 1988 the, the homeschool groups in little towns of five thousands i know them five thousand in in cities of a million they had homeschool cooperatives they might have called them a co-op they might have called them friday school they might have called them wednesday play day or whatever these they got together and they had fun together or yeah. Or one mom taught art and one dad came in and I'll be stereotypical here and taught engineering, you know, whatever <laughs> they had groups, they had support. And, and guess what? Babe Ruth and little league baseball are for anybody. They're not just for public school kids. Did anybody remember that? And scouts, boy scouts, girl scouts, cub scouts, guess what? Yeah. They're for anybody, not just public when, school kids. When you apply to those things, I think you have to <laughs> fill out a form. It's not that they ask you, are you a public school kid? And then that's like the end of the interview, right? You can't, be in, you can't be in scouts. It used to be back in my day, it was called Boy Scouts and Girl boy, Scouts. Boy, boy. That's back oh, when we okay. knew what a boy was. Okay. But, that, that, I mean, you, you saw, what was that last week when, one of our most highly educated people in the United States who wants to be a U.S. Supreme Court justice said she couldn't tell you what a woman was because she's not a biologist. OK, <laughs> guess what? I'm a biologist and a zoologist, so I can tell you what a woman is. I, I, yeah. hunt, I hunt elk, right? I go after elk. There's the bull elk. <laughs> <laughs> and he, has, he has testicles and a penis. And, and if you have a, a bull elk tag, you better make sure that it's a better, bull elk because you get in trouble. And there's a cow elk. And then when I go deer hunting, there's a doe and there's a buck. And when Wait, I you're elk, on the western side of the of Oregon and you go hunting. Yeah, yeah, we, we do that. Do you we, have elk on the western side? 
Yeah, it's it's incredible. On the west, oh, that's side, awesome. We, we call them Roosevelt elk, oh. and they're in the dense sword fern, Douglas oh. fir, moss, oh and gosh. there are so there's so many. Oh my god! It is not con- it is not controlled hunting. It's over the counter tags, but they're so difficult to see. The the success. What do you what do you use for elk hunting? I'm sorry, we're getting a little. Oh, off oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You mean like what do I carry? Yeah. Is well, it bow it's, hunting or is it's it? My, I'm a, I carry a rifle. My my forever rifle. When I when I started, I did not start uh, hunting till my 40s. But hmm. let's just say <clears throat> I really like it. What what caliber do you use? Is what so I so my forever rifle. I started with the thirty out six because everybody said get a thirty out six. That's very mm-hmm. romantic and wonderful, and mm-hmm. I still have it. It's a great gun. Uh, but then I wanted something a little lighter because I like to hike. I like to go way up mountains, and I don't quite like the recoil when I shoot and practice thirty rounds of offhand. I'm a little bit of a sissy, so I want to go down a hair. So I'm a scientist. So I study, 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 study the ballistics. So my forever <laughs> rifle is a same model as my 30-06 by the same manufacturer, 308, lightweight, compact. How's that? Wow. Very lightweight, compact. With a wood stock. And I don't care if I beat it up a little bit. And it's taken, it's helped me take some very fine animals. Oh, that's cool. You know, that's, you can do anything with that North America, except maybe grizzly. That's fine. Mm -hmm. They'll take anything. Sure. Yeah, 308. That's the round of the M60. Yeah, I wanted it. I Rambo wanted to, round. Yeah, I wanted to keep with a 30 out six just for romance and, and history. Yeah. But that's the I, round I, of the M1 Garand. Very fine weapon. It was a staple in Korean War. I like that. I like that Very rifle. Powerful. I let my I let my buddy use it this last fall when we went bear hunting. Use my 30 out six, and guess that's what a, he that's did? An assault guess rifle. what he did? I never did, but guess what he did with my 30 out six? <laughs> what he took a black bear oh that's cool <laughs> yeah wow and did yeah, you guys then, actually consume it do you consume what yeah you we, shoot? we ate it yeah we ate it and then and then a couple months later guess what my same 25 year old buddy does again with my <laughs> rifle he took a nice he took a nice five by six elk bull wow. elk. yeah I, I lo- that, I, yeah that's that's str- spoken like a true westerner there too by the way a lot the the elk people will will recognize the way you said the the antlers people in the east they will say a 10 pointer or something when they're talking about deer they they mm-hmm. count all of the tines uh, we never did that in colorado i grew up in colorado it's a five pointer or a six pointer we only count right. one side right and if the sides don't agree then you say where they don't agree yeah you got sometimes you gotta they don't agree out. yeah yeah we, we need the specifics don't we over here in the west well, I, I want I asked specifically whether you consume what you you shoot, because a lot of people don't know anything about hunting. And yeah. it's an important question to ask it. We every we scrap. would we would uh, consume everything. What about the hide? What do you do with the hide? We for, eat every scrap of the animal, uh, the hides. Right? Yeah. Some, sometimes we leave the hides for the uh, uh, because we love bacteria and we love fungi. We, mm-hmm. we embrace fungi and bacteria. Sometimes we leave the hides for the fungi and bacteria. Sometimes we bring the hides home and tan them. Just depends on the situation, the quality of the, the hide and all yeah. those kinds of things. Like if it's a scroungy black bear that at the end of the summer, he looks like he's a balding old man. 
we might leave that we might leave that hide for the fungi and bacteria i gotcha of course you could leave the whole car carcass for that reason but you don't want to yes do that, because right? if we you know we treat all levels of organisms with equal love and respect <laughs> yeah why would you why would you bother not embracing the fungi and bacteria yeah. now and i mean the, after, after all after all it's going to decompose and go into a stream maybe out to the river down to the sea sure. and you can you can help support a, a gray whale and that's all good <laughs> yeah what what does black bear taste like is it gross well, it's uh it tastes like black bear i cannot say that it's like anything um, uh, okay i can i did read there's we had these uh this well-known hunter and his wife in oregon and they have a cookbook for wild game <clears throat> and i remember reading the section on bear and they said when they do uh cooking dishes and they do blind taste testing with their friends their friends always choose the bear as the best wow so a lot of people don't know that but it uh it has the key with bear like with most any animal but especially bear immediately get the hide off immediately get the meat cooled down immediately get any excess fat off the meat that's the key there okay wow so the lady from harvard law that's listening yeah. to this right now that yeah. you referenced earlier she's she's freaking out now because we're well, talking about we we started talking about homeschooling now we're talking about how to skin a bear and put it oh, in the freezer I, I don't know. I don't <laughs> she's like see process. see i told you this is what the homeschoolers are like i don't know maybe, maybe she's maybe she's one of the best known white-tailed deer hunters of her area i don't know <laughs> yeah. I, maybe it's she's possible written, maybe she's written a book on why wolves why there should only be 50 wolves in Oregon and, and more elk. I, I don't know what else she's written. <laughs> I doubt it, but. Do you have wolves in Oregon? We do. It's, it's fascinating. I, I have a, I guess you could say, a, um, well, yeah, I have a philosophical take on wolves. Okay. I'll just tell you, since I was a child, everybody, everybody would say Brian loves animals. Mm -hmm. uh, so when, you know, when mom was talking with the nun, she said, Mrs. Ray, now you had to have, all Brian reads about is, is adventurers like Daniel Boone and Davy Crockett and animals. Now you have to get him to read other books. And she said, yes, sister. Yes, sister. My mom <laughs> took me to the library, took me to the library. And she said, Brian, get whatever you want. Uh, so I, I've loved animals all my life. I enjoy animals, you know, biology, mm -hmm. zoology, pack rats, walking through the woods. So wolves, it's, it's really philosophical. Wolves are cool. They're amazing. Uh, I've hunted where I've seen wolves and I've heard them. It's, it's incredible. It's amazing. Up in Northeast Oregon, we quote reintroduced them several years ago. And so, you know, there's a, there's a constant argument debate between people who sort of like worship animals and those who want to manage animals. So, you know, if I were the king of the forest or the king of Oregon, I would just say 50 wolves is good. Anybody wants to see the wolves or enjoy the wolves, go out and look for them and see them. It's, it's incredible. But we do not need wolves decimating our elk populations. And we do not need more top predators because humans are great at being top predators. And wolves are dogs. They breed like dogs. They reproduce like dogs. And they will kill just about everything if you, if you let them. So yeah, that's kind of that's where I'm at, wolves. Yeah, that that matches pretty much what I think about wolves too. I've thought about it too. I've 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 loved wolves since I was a kid, but um, they are uh, there is a reason why they were 
virtually wiped out in the yeah, lower 48 yeah. there's a yeah. very good reason why yeah you know it's and, and i've had there's I not a good there's not a good reason why the buffalo were wiped out but that there was is not a good yeah, reason yeah. yeah yeah so with the wolves I, I i rarely get on the on the social media or the or the blogs or whatever and, and debate but i i just saw one i could not resist and and the and the person who was like going over overboard on the wolves oh the poor wolves and we love wolves and wolves have a spiritual whatever you know i <laughs> I'm kind of mocking it, but it's, they might, you know, they might mock me. So, so he said, we got to have wolves at the levels where they, they were historically. So I got on there like a smart aleck. And I said, do you mean historically 500 million years ago? Or do you mean, <laughs> I mean pri- 200 prehistorical. years ago? Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, I tried, I tried to pick a date at which evolutionists would say there is no wolf around. <laughs> so, it's a, <laughs> yeah. it's a, but it's just a simple point. And you know that right, philosophically. Right, right. It's like, yeah, sure. Come on, sure. D- define your terms. Well, it's like when people talk about climate change and are you a climate change denier? Well, um, let's, let's go with the big bang as the, the source of the universe. Are you saying that just after the big bang, it was seven, <laughs> 71 degrees in San Diego? <laughs> I, I mean, so who's denying change happens, right? No, uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't know anybody that denies that change happens. No. That's not really how you characterize it. No. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is, is 50 wolves. Is that how many packs is that? Is that three packs? You know, or? I don't know how many we, okay. So four packs, a, a pack, a, a pack could just Gotta be, be changing all the time. Sure. A, a pack could just be 10. Um, fortunately in Oregon, a few good things. A few good things happened in Oregon. Uh, so, you know, we we watched. It, it got pretty bad in Idaho when they reintroduced, and it took a long time to get the federal government out of there to allow the state of Idaho to, to manage the wolves. Wow, you got the feds out of there to for the state to manage it. I think I think it got. I think they got whatever delisted or something in in Idaho. So now now there's so oh, many okay. wolves in Idaho. You you can buy tags and hunt them. I mean, they have way too many wolves. I mean, it it's been hard on the elk mm. elk. So in Oregon, we actually have an, I think called an Oregon wolf plan. And so far, those people who believe in human beings managing animals have been able to keep in it the option that if we need to, we would be able to hunt them one day. If we have, if we have so many that they're uh, reducing the elk or other cervid herds below management objectives. So as of now, we still have that which is decent, but we have to constantly fight to keep it. Okay. I don't know how many wolves we have right now. We have more than enough. I know that. Hmm. Well, I know that, uh, in 2015, I was paying attention in 2015, California had one wolf for a, a few hours <laughs> then it went back well, over it the probably, border. It, it probably came down from Oregon. Yeah. It yeah. went back over the border. Yeah. So we, we like, have, oh, we uh, have a wolf. We have records. They're they're all up and down, they're all up and down the coast range. I mean the Cascade Range now, and there have been sightings off, you know, over toward I five where we are. So, the wolves are definitively have a hold in Oregon, and there's absolutely nothing near threatened or just no. They're fine. They're fine. They're dogs. They they know how to reproduce. They're dogs. Yeah, <laughs> they're really good at reproducing, and they're very good at killing elk. <laughs> How old, big, old how, yeah, how big are they? Uh, do you think <clears throat> a wolf? I think the male in, in Oregon, male, yeah, 
yeah, they're, they're about a, like 110, 120 pounds mm-hmm. uh, length, full length. I don't know for sure from nose tip to tail. It could be, I'm just guessing here, like something like seven feet, maybe they're, they're like a big, you know, when you see them, it's like a, a big German shepherd that you'd be afraid of. <laughs> we, yes, we have yeah, a dog, absolutely. absolutely. We have a dog at our house. That's a, a combination of one of the European style sheep dogs and a Labrador. And she's about 115 pounds and she's about the size of a, a, a solid male wolf. And every mm-hmm. now and then I look at her and I think, what if I had three of those surrounding me going for my Achilles tendon? You're in bad shape. If you, don't smart. Have a, if you don't have a handgun and get your back yep. against the tree, you're in trouble. Yeah, they're smart. Very and smart. You, you won't hear them coming either. No, I, I've met hunters no. who said they've shown me certain rows. They said, never go up there without a handgun. The wolves are all over. Just don't go. You know, they, they would say, preferably don't go alone. I'll go alone because that's how I am. But they say, don't go without a handgun. Yeah. And keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes in the back of your head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I'm i reading um, Laura Ingalls Wilder uh, series, uh, Little House on the Prairie, the book has a chapter on wolves and it's Hmm. it's probably the most eerie chapter in the book and they i mean they talk about indians and all sorts of stuff but the stuff about wolves was just totally creepy Mm -hmm. i mean it was just and it's based on her recollections too Mm -hmm. and and, um Mm -hmm. it's interesting that um there's so much variation with these stories about wolves uh, including pack size the biggest pack size i've ever heard of is 50. Whoa. That was not normal. That's not normal, Whoa. but there's all yeah. sorts of abnormal stories about wolves, sure. like them taking out an entire herd for no apparent reason. Uh, maybe they just, it's an ancient instinct to, you know, if it's cold out they know the meat's going to be there for a long time and yeah. they don't have to worry about, I don't know, but yeah, it the, happens. The, it's the well idea, known. It happens. Yeah. Yeah. The idea of the nice, calm, peaceful nature is, is so, is so ridiculous, you know, and, and <laughs> there are, there are documented cases of the wolves coming in, just slashing the throats of multiple sheep and leaving yeah. them. It, it's yeah. not, not, not winter, you know, it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, they, it's interesting. Animals do yeah. things. Yeah. yeah. It's fascinating. I, I love one of my favorite courses at my master's in zoology was ethology, studying animal behavior. Mm. It's cool. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and tell- to think that is to think that, you know, what, what so many people do, you know, speaking of a, a philosophy is that we anthropomorphize animals mm. and that's and true. We have to remember, you know, depending on your philosophy, we are or are not animals. And some people might think you're crazy, right. Brian. Well, okay. De- it depends. You know, if, if you're, <laughs> if you're a, if you're a secular <laughs> If you're a secular humanist, you might say, hey, we're just part of kingdom animalia, you know, kingdom phylum class order family genus species, and we're mammalia, and we're cordata, and we're, you know, homo sapien, da, 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 da. you know, but from a theological perspective, you say, oh, they're the animals and, and man, <clears throat> woman, mm-hmm. different, you know. Yeah, that's, what, what got you into science? Why? Oh, uh, were you like that as a kid? Yeah, I was like that as a child. So I, I was just the kind of child who would, I'd see a spider and sit there for a half hour watching it catch catch insects. I'd throw it insects. I'd watch it inject the venom and 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 wrap it. And <laughs> I, I'd play with it. And 
uh, you know, we, I had a box at home. That, it was an old drawer. My dad let me have it. It was about, you know, maybe two feet by three feet. Uh, maybe it was an old wooden drawer. So they let me put it on the back porch, fill it with soil and rocks and put a net over it. And then I filled it up with snakes and things and oh my. Play, with the, play with the snakes. I just, that's just how it was. You're I like, had, Oh, that's how venom feels. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was a kid who would have rats and mice and uh, tropical fish and I'd sit in the room and turn off the lights and, and just have the light on in the tropical fish tank. And I would do watercolor paintings of them. I just like animals. That's, Were you homeschooled? I was not. No, no. Public school or uh, private? Catholic, Roman Catholic schools. Oh, okay. Roman Catholic What's, schools. How was how that? Uh, how, how would you say that that was compared to like if you had gone to a public school? I, I know that that's like an impossible question for you sure, to answer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I get, yeah, the way I can relate to that is by tell us how, how that compares to these experiences that you didn't have. Yeah. Talking with, <laughs> talking, talking with my wife who went to public schools, uh, she attended public school in Portland, uh, one of the wealthier neighborhoods. And then I attended Roman Catholic school over on the other side of town, but by comparing stories, you know, I can learn something of that era. And then of course I had friends in public schools. So okay. I would say from what I pick up, trying to be unbiased, the unbiased experience, you know, uh, <laughs> most of your bias say, experience later, but yeah, for now yeah. it's just the unbiased personal opinion. Yeah. It looks like overall I had a stronger academic education preparation than the public schools of Portland. Did so you if learn you just want if you, it's a sad story. It's a sad story. So you hate summer before, Summer before my freshman year, I signed up for Latin. The end of the summer, I got a notice saying, we have canceled Latin because there were not enough students who wanted it. Oh, that's tragic. It is. It is. So uh, the, la the little bit of Latin I know I picked up mostly from science classes, you know, because there's so much Latin in there. That would have been really helpful but, for you as a biologist. <clears throat> yep. So I think I got a stronger academic education instruction. The, the demands were higher. The expectations were higher from what I understand in the public schools. Um, was there, was there discipline in the classroom? Was it nuns that were disciplining or was uh, it? We, we, had, we had discipline in the sense of standards shall be kept. And we were not to be unruly. Okay. I do not recall at that point in high school, I don't know of any corporal punishment. I don't think we had any corporal punishment at that in those years in the seventies. Um, was there sergeant we, punishment or private? <laughs> oh, sorry. We, oh yeah. We, those are ranks in the, in the Marines. We sorry. had to, we had to toe the line. We had to toe the line. And there was one priest who was well known for facing the chalkboard, being able to pick up an eraser, turn around 180 degrees and nail the guy unexpectedly <laughs> who was not paying attention with the eraser. We had, a, we had one of those. Uh, I think it was, we, we, at that time, our school was, uh, boys only. I think that, I think that was an advantage. I think that was good. Mm. Uh, there was a lot less distraction. Yeah. Uh, we could focus more on academic education mm -hmm. and, and the friendships. We were not at all sequestered from women. You know, we had parties we had dances with the catholic girls school all that kind of stuff but but looking back it was i i i kind of like that you know not having that distraction not that i didn't like girls but 
Did you did you have to wear a uniform? Not in high school. Uh, grade school for eight years. Yes. Salt okay. salt and pepper cords, white shirt, blue sweater. What we do you think? This, we could take the sweater off and it was hot. What do you think the main objection to homeschooling is from from what you've heard? <clears throat> okay, from the from the lay person, from the general public, people still ask the question, although much less frequently than five years ago. People still ask the question, what about socialization? Yes, I hear that all the time too. Yeah. So weird. So so let's let's go with the lay the lay question first, which also includes academics and others. But then then we're going to go over to the the more the academic philosophical answer or question. Okay. So the socialization thing is, and I I think that uh, Dr. Mather and Curtis, the main reason people ask that is because they don't know anything else. Like, hey, up until up until the 1980s, 99.9% of us were institutionalized. <laughs> we just knew school, you know? So it's yeah. kind of like a fish saying, well, I, I'm in water. I like water. <laughs> How could you be healthy without water? You know? And so everybody was institutionalized and they think, you know, here we go back to the, the nature of humans, conformists. In a way, we implicitly believe that whatever is the norm equals good. Now, yeah, that's you, good. you know, the logical fallacy of that is, you know, it's, it's false, but yeah, that's, other, that's a good phenomenology yeah. of what, what people think. Yeah. So, so it's an innocent question. And then I, you know, by doing this research on homeschoolers for 38 years and knowing homeschoolers for a long time, I just turn it around and I say, like, I remember I was on an airplane with a, uh, on the way to a, a research conference, American Educational Research Association conference, which I would love to talk about. But anyway, turns out the lady next to me is going the same place. She's a she's a doctoral student. She's a, an African American woman, and we're talking. And oh, okay, homeschooling. And then that comes up, and she says, "What about socialization?" <laughs> okay, okay, here we go again. So I said, "Well, what do you do for socialization?" Well, hold on one second. Hold on. One yeah. Uh, Had we not that. recorded all of that? Hold on. So you were saying about socialization? Uh, yeah. The, so the I think complaint we, about socialization. Yeah. So I, I was on the plane with this gal, and turns out we were both headed to the American Educational Research Association. She asked the question, well, "What about socialization for these homeschool kids?" And I said, "Well, what what do you do for socialization?" Well, you know. I'm in a book club. So we read a book and we discuss it. Okay. Oh, I play tennis with friends. Okay. Um, I take some classes. Okay. I'm in church and I visit with people. Okay. I said, well, that's just like homeschool kids and teenagers and adolescents. They, they live life. They just, they live life. Like right. kind of like adults live life. Why, why, what are you, what are you concerned about? Oh, I get it. <laughs> I said, do you do? I said, do you do you only hang out for six hours per day with people who are 30 to 31 years old now that you're an adult? <laughs> well, no, you know, you have you have to go through a cyclone fence and a metal detector to get into your wherever you do things oh, for right. six hours per day. Well, yeah. no. And wear a mask. And wear a mask, whatever it is. And so 
you know, once, once you kind of explain it that way to people, they, oh, okay, I get it. It's, it's like life. It's, it's life. You go to the grocery store and you, you talk with the clerk checking you out. You talk with the, the produce man or you just talk with people and you maybe participate in 4-H and you raise chickens or you, you're not on a farm. So you do sewing instead of chickens or what, whatever, you know, it's whatever you do. And you've got mm-hmm. your homeschool cooperative and, people understand it then yeah. and and, re- and research shows this it's kind of I, I tell people that you know as a researcher as somebody who thinks kind of philosophically about research what what is research anyway you know research is supposed to help us understand reality um, of course you don't want to say truth with a capital T when you're talking with a secular audience, I don't know who I'm talking to, but anyway, uh, <laughs> you know, research, you look at research on home education and I'll just give you a quick factoid. So a few years ago, I did a review of research and I chose for my methods to only review peer reviewed articles, not because peer reviewed necessarily means it's good research. It's just, no. you know, it's a criteria. It's, it's a criteria. It's, it's research that fits in for it's, now. Yeah, it's a, it's a criterion. Right. Uh, get this. 87% of peer-reviewed studies on social, emotional, and psychological development show that homeschool students perform statistically significantly better than those in or from conventional schools. Wow. That, that's just simple. It's like, that's hey. crazy. Wow, that's awesome. It might surprise people, but that's just what we know so far. Uh, academic performance. So, you know, so I'll, I'll have people who I know, and, and we, yeah, in research, you argue with each other, right? And I mm-hmm. have people say, oh, Ray, you're not, you're not interpreting that properly, whatever. You know, you didn't consider, <laughs> you didn't consider this and that and this. There's Watch always it. an I excuse. I did. Okay. Here, here's one, another one. Okay. No, no, no. Let's go back to socialization. <clears throat> so from a, yeah. I, I don't want to get off track. Okay. Uh, because I, I want to finish my answer there. So that's kind of the lay question about socialization. Mm-hmm. But there's another question about socialization, Dr. Mather and Professor Olson. That is, what is the socialization that is happening in government-run public schools mm-hmm. and in institutional private schools? Yeah, let's what compare. Is, what is it? What's going on there? Let's what, do what, apples to apples, yeah. Yeah, what's, what's happening there? Yeah. And, and this is where let's take a close look at that, yeah, what that socialization some, really is. Exactly. And this is where some of the negative critics of home education are more or less honest. And what's really? happening wow. there is some, some are honest and some are not so honest is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Uh, and this goes back to my proposition that all education is the teaching, training and indoctrination of children. Public school, private school, homeschool—all of them. I'm not. I'm not picking on anyone. I'm not lauding anyone. So there, and and implicitly, implicitly, mommy and daddy are telling you, this is a good place. This is an important place. Trust your teachers. We trust the curriculum that the government has approved. We trust the professors who have indoctrinated the teachers who are going to teach you. We trust the mm. government state certification system of teachers. 
mommy and daddy, you are telling your children this implicitly because you entrusted them to the government school. That's and huge. you entrusted them to the, the legal philosophical concept of in loco parentis. So mom and dad, I, I'm challenging you. Do you actually want to give that message to your children? And it's the same message about private school. It's the same message about homeschooling. And so then your child arrives there, raw, fresh, first grade, or well, most kids now, kindy, kindergarten, right? Kindergarten. Uh, what, what's kindergarten? Four years old, five years old? I don't know. Five, maybe. Five, I think. I think and it's four to five. Five-ish, you know. All, uh, five to six, all, maybe. Let's skip kindergarten. But then it happens at kindergarten, too. First grade, all day long. This teacher, your parents really basically don't know. They don't know no, this. Of course not. Personally, uh, relationally. No. Maybe, maybe in a small town. Maybe. Okay. Granted, there are always exceptions. Okay. If you go to the same church, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You maybe. Yeah. And you think if you're oh, both she's... a part of the same National Rifle Association. Yeah. <laughs> or Sierra Club or whatever. Yeah. Um, sure. Uh, Wolf, wolf worship bowling team. league. Yeah. <laughs> wolf. <laughs> yeah. Of course people can take that. People can take that out of context. I said, I like wolves. I like wolves. They're cool. I do like wolves too, but I'm not a wolf worshiper. Okay. They're a cool carnivore. <clears throat> very, Does it very mean I young. want them running around my neighborhood? Canis lupus. I learned a little Latin Canis lupus. Yeah. So, um, you, you don't know who she is, but you see, oh, she's nice. And, and then you go online yesterday and see, uh, what are, what state just passed a law that says uh, basically teachers are not allowed to hide you know, the, the sexual, con- you know, they're not supposed to have their sexual conversations with children. They're not supposed mm-hmm. to hide if children bring up that they want to be transgender, whatever. I, I, some state oh, just passed okay. a law. And, okay. and the teacher says, I'm not going to obey that. I'll go to jail. These are my children. And one of the most wonderful things about being a teacher, I, as a homosexual, gay, lesbian, whatever woman, I get to have this close relationship and they, they have to trust me. And I got to be able to talk about these things with them without having to let their parents know. I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but that's the basic, that's what she said. Yeah. Wow. And that, that is a very common attitude of this generation of government school educators. And by the way, not just them, many private school educators. So (laughs) parents, you're entrusting your child's, mind, uh, body, soul, if you believe in a soul, to the intimate influence of yes. these teachers, yep. of the professor-created, government-approved curriculum, which is rife with values, beliefs, and worldview all day long. Whether yep. you agree with it or not, right. you're subjecting your child's mind, soul, and body to that. And, and when That's I say what's body, happening. That's what's it, happening. That's what's go- it's going on all day. In, the, in- the, 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 the boundaries that were there 10 years ago, the boundaries that were there f- seven years ago, let alone 20, 25 years, yeah. are just, I remember it was controversial when I was going through, uh, hold on one sec. Um, the, the boundaries that were there 25 years ago, when I was going through, it was like sex ed was controversial. Like, and that was in high school, right? It was like sex ed. Ah, you know, now we're talking about in first grade. I mean, the boundaries 
the boundary crossing that's going on is really, really bad. Now, you I might was, not was, have any problem with this particular person, but uh, yeah. what about if it was some other person I'm, that you I'm gonna don't know? I'm going to grab a book real fast. I'm yeah. going to grab a book, I think. Yeah, it's it's the the boundaries. I mean, I wish I could find this book. It has a it has a creepy cover on it. To me, it's a creepy cover. Uh, now my my bookshelf, my bookshelf is only so organized. I can't find certain things real fast. But anyway, I, I remember this. I was walking through the uh, American Educational Research Association trade hall where they have all the books, you know, and mm-hmm. exhibits and latest academic this and that, <clears throat> and and the cover says the school home this is about 20 years ago i thought whoa school home that's a catchy title and of course i'm interested in homeschooling uh it's not about homeschooling but it's a professor i think her name is martin i think she's a philosopher and she was talking about how the school the government run public school is and must become the place of care connection and concern for children essentially Mm. replacing the home and the family Mm. so it's it's been happening it's been happening it's it's just the slowly i mean if you want to look at as a negative it's the slowly boiled frog yeah and the moment that government controlled tax-funded schools came into existence that was the beginning of this so historically, that was the beginning, but in the last 20 years, you're seeing the, it's not the full fruition, but it's the fruition of what happens. Because whomever, whatever worldview, whatever philosophical thing is in power is what's getting laid on these children. I, I can have examples, but you mentioned that, I mentioned this one teacher, listen, listen to this one. This is, I'm going to have to go roughly, uh, I'm going to go roughly five years ago was attending the American Educational Research Association. And uh, I looked up this one thing in the program. The program is every year it's thick. It's like a, it's like a, a telephone directory with, here's an example. This is, let's see, 2019 uh, AERA. Okay, so here we go. 2019 American Educational Research Association. And the topic that the the theme that was levering education research in a post-truth era, multimodal narratives to democratize evidence. Moly schmoly, holy moly schmoly. Like, okay, you have a PhD to read the theme, you know? So anyway. What what does AERA mean? American Educational Research Association. Okay. And is this like a secular? Yeah, yeah. I've been a member. I've been a member since 1988. It's the premier democratized evidence. I didn't realize evidence was something we voted on. (laughs) Well, evidence is uh, by definition something that points to truth. So how could you have Uh-oh. evidence Uh-oh. in a post-truth era? That does Uh-oh. that's incoherent. Oh, said that. Oh, said oh, that. We're oh, recording. We're we're we're. Okay, we, we'll cut that out. We're co- <laughs> we're we're coming back to that. We're coming back to that. So so I go to this one presentation. I always want to look up a few presentations that I think might be particularly titillating for me. <laughs> but this one was about 
by so-and-so, something like the presenter was going to be, let's just say Bob, and it's about queering fourth graders. So I go to the it's a round table discussion. And you go into this round table and they're about 25. I think it's, people. I think it's called grooming. That's what they typically it, it was, it was, a, it was, well, hold they on, used to hold, call on. It that. hold on, hold on. So I go into this round table. There are about 25 people there. I was a couple minutes late. So I'm looking at name tags, trying to figure out where's Bob, who's the presenter. There was no Bob talking, but there was a Susie talking. And I thought, ah, ah, okay. And it started clicking. Okay, maybe transgender or bi or whatever. But uh, okay, whatever. I was to thinking, keep up. I was thinking whatever. Well, that that's it. it. It Susie was Bob. It was actually making the presentation, but that wasn't that didn't concern me so much. The querying fourth graders. Okay, you got to keep up on the terminology. What that basically means is, and this was his her research to queer fourth graders. So think about this, 10 years old, public school allows this academic to go in and queer fourth graders, which means purposely, intentionally get all these kids to question everything and doubt everything that mom and dad teach them, that their scout leaders teach yeah. them, that their church leaders teach them, that anybody teaches them. Right. Basically deconstruct their minds and their hearts and their souls and their worldviews yeah. to whatever Bob slash Susie is trying to do with them. Yep. I can't, I can't even get my mind around. Like I'm not, well, I'm not making this up. I can. No, I no. I, we've already had a guest on Brenda yeah. Lepsack. She, she was on yeah. right. We, I can, we, I, we had her within the first fortnight of this podcast and she's asked, a public school teacher in California. Yeah. yeah and she backed up everything. And she says, there's a budget. There's a budget issue yeah. here because mental health professionals are required if there's cues, there's questioning in that elementary school. Yeah. And those mental health professionals have to be paid. <clears throat> they got to have a budget line item. And so they're paid depending on how many are cues. In other words, it's, it's incredible. Q, Q means Q, queer or questioning. Yeah. So yeah, if you yeah. can give a give a questionnaire and and they check the right box, they're questioning and they're really prompted to question, then they have more right. LGBTQs now. And so therefore they can have more mental health. Professionals. Yeah, it's it's like but it's really manufacturing. I called the I called the episode manufacturing the cues, artificially manufacturing the cues in LGBTQ. Yeah. You can actually imagine a scenario where. They're saying, you know, the teacher's saying, making a statement and the child's saying, well, wait a second. Could you clarify? How is it possible that a boy could be a girl? Oh, you have a question. Now you're questioning. So now we're going to run you down this way of thinking. You can move seven, eight, 10, 15 year olds, any place you want them. You, yeah. you can, we, all, we all know that. So that, that was querying fourth graders. That's mm. research done on your fourth graders in government controlled public schools. And, and I'm, I, this is a wild guess. This is not research. I'm guessing at least half the parents had no idea that was being done to their fourth graders. I would not, say not, a clue, not a clue. And then, and then I was in um, another one. This is just another example. I, I could give you gobs of these examples. If you're, 
if your listeners say, hey, Brian, prove it, I'll, I'll send you, I'll send them a link. But anyway, uh, here's another one. This is a PhD in science education. My one of, would be one of my <laughs> old comrades, right? Mm -hmm. PhD in science education. And her name's Kristen Gunkel. And she's telling us, now imagine you're in an elementary classroom. It's so cool. You've got the dissecting tray. Remember those dissecting trays, those metal dissecting trays and put a little water in it. You got a crawdad. Some people call them crayfish and it's alive. And the kids are all excited. They're sitting around it and they're looking at it. And oh, they're yeah, talking yeah. about the antennae yeah. and the cholesterol and the swimmerettes. And, and it's, it's all good. It's really good. Like any teacher would love that. They're engaged. They're learning. She says, but what's wrong with this? <laughs> what's wrong with this is that it's teaching children heteronormativity. That's an evil thing. We got to teach them about all the diversity and queerness in nature. Like, wow. Really. Wow. And truly and truly and really that's what, elementary school science is supposed to be about what in the like world she's quoting like a new 10 commandments or something it sounds like she oh. Oh. she she's moses coming down from the secular mountain and there's a new commandment you know and you're, 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 you can't make any heads or tails of what the commandment is exactly how do i how do i make sure there's diversity what if there's not diversity you are on track i uh, i i of course, all the sitting, kids get A's. There's no diversity with the grades. I was, I was sitting in a at the AERA. Okay, by the way, picture this. The AERA, the years I've gone up, up until the government lockdowns, attending these, you know, whether we were in Montreal, Canada, or San Francisco, or San Diego, or New Orleans, or Washington, D.C., or Chicago, 12,000 to 15,000 attenders at this conference. Think, think of think of the massive budget, gigantic system that is cranking along that is government run K-12 and university schooling and all these researchers, policymakers, oh, doctoral students. Yeah. It's it's incredible, yeah. incredible. And I was I was sitting there one time listening to one of these presentations. You mentioned it, Moses. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was I was sitting there listening to one of these. I closed my eyes. No offense to my friends who might be a Southern Baptist pastor who's a little bit rotund from eating too many grits. <laughs> it you could just change the terminology, and they were preaching a gospel. Yeah, they're preaching a gospel yeah, with, with zeal, with zeal, yeah, sure. without research, without research evidence. And this is the American Educational Research Association. It's religious. It's it's it's, inc it's incredible. It's it's religious. It's religious association. So, well, so people yeah, might be wondering. Yeah. Yeah. So so somebody listening might say, okay, Brian, what does this have to do with what does that have to do with homeschooling, public school, private schooling? Remember, yeah. these are the people at this conference. I'm, I'm just gonna hold it up here again. These are the people at this conference. Mm -hmm. Not the only people. If you can't, uh, if you can only hear this because it's on the podcast, he's holding up that same book about post-truth. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. So, so they're okay. they're massively influential mm -hmm. in who is teaching in your government tax-funded schools and so, private schools. Yeah, so, well, because the private school, influential. the private school teachers <clears throat> go right. to go to college. They're right there. <laughs> I mean, they, you know, they're not yep. exempt from this. 
So how do massively. you get your how do you get your budget and your your money to run what you're doing? Mostly what? donations. Mostly okay. donations. Yeah. What if people uh, want to support you? How do they do that? Oh wow, it's so easy. <laughs> go go to go to the website n as in national h e r i dot org, and and one of our friends said, "Hey, Doctor Ray, we're not going to give money until you put a donate button up there." So she she influenced us to put up a donate button, and there it is, donate slash. How do you how do you put a donate button up there? We need to know. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> so is it hard? No, it's pretty easy. Just just find some seventeen year old who knows how to run your website and put up a donate button and hook you up with some credit card company that wants to use your money while you know you're not using it. And make money off of you. They'd love to do that for you. Or PayPal paypal or whatever not nah, i don't want to endorse any of those go find some alternative one <clears throat> okay. so right. so national nheri.org nheri.org mostly donations and we get some uh, research grants and um, now did you find uh, did you were you the founder of this organization yes or a few other a few other guys and i founded this in 1990 so believe it or not this institute is 32 years old wow and then before that before that, yeah, we're doing we're doing uh, just audio, aren't we? So well, there's audio and, and video, but uh, but probably oh, okay, most okay. people probably most people that will listen to this are not audio are not looking oh, okay. at the video. Okay, I'm gonna throw up another thing here. So this is the journal Homeschool Researcher. Mm-hmm. By the way, we we copied and named it after the research. The flagship journal of that AERA is called Educational Researcher. So I just called it homeschool research. There's a little history there. Notice it's two words, homeschool. That's yeah. I founded that journal in 1985. Wow. Whoa, 1985. Continuous publication since 1985. But wow. the history there is back then, nobody knew what to call this thing. Mm-hmm. So some people called it home education. In, in Europe, more people call it home education. Okay. Uh, some people here called it homeschooling with two words. Mm-hmm. Uh, it evolved basically into homeschooling one word. Uh, it's been called a lot of things. I started a bibliography called it home. I started this bibliography probably before 1985. Home-centered learning. Annotated Ooh, bibliography. I like, I like how uh, careful you are with the rhetoric of, of, of you know, what yeah. it's called. Home-based learning. That was great. That little thing that you did. What if, a, what if a, a parent is listening to this and they, maybe they have really small children and they're, they're looking ahead and they're thinking uh, public schools is pretty much all we can do, but more and more they're increasingly very disturbed by what they're saying, rightly so. Uh, and they, they, they're thinking, ah, eh, I think I want to fight back on this if, for no other reason, just to fight back on the politics of it. And I'm, I'm going to do some homeschooling what what would you say their first step is for that to to take that next step yeah there are two very actually pretty simple steps uh not necessarily in this order but concurrent okay go see if you can go meet two or three families who homeschool how they how do they do that what Just, what so the yellow go, pages oh my goodness you could go online <laughs> Uh, there's a website. Uh, there's a there's a, a group called 
Craigslist? Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's a group called Homeschool Legal Defense Association, but the acronym is real easy. H-S-L-D-A. And you go there, hslda.org. Let me see here. I, I can maybe multitask. I'm not good at that. Uh, I hear a typewriter. Yeah, I, maybe, maybe I can do this way. But anyway, hslda.org. And then uh, they have a page. Find a local homeschool support group. Imagine that. <laughs> HSLDA. And you type. All you have to do is type in your zip code. And, and it's for the entire United States or lower it's for 48? the entire, entire United States. I just typed Even for in. for Hawaii? Everywhere. I just typed in a zip code in Oregon and up popped one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, at least ten. Oh yeah, show more. <laughs> many, wow. many local support groups, oh, study cool. groups, blah 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 blah. Sounds okay. like it's very grassroots. Oh, it's very grassroots. It's and not like there's a guy local- in charge. You go talk to Mike, he runs Oregon from the top. Exactly. Down. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You, you, I'm glad you said that word grassroots. It's been a grassroots movement the whole time. And uh, they're, it, but they're grassroots, but they're very interconnected. Like you go to this website, type in your zip code, pop, up come all these support groups. That's, that's the terminology in the homeschool world. You got support groups. Lo- local okay. support groups. Okay. You've got statewide organizations and you've got a couple of names. homeschool legal defense association. They're the big name in, in, in lobby or not lobby. Homeschool advocacy, legal protection, all that. It's like an insurance deal, but they they do all they even that's awesome. They offer they offer assistance to help you with special education, special needs children. These local groups are everywhere. These state organizations are everywhere. Okay, so that's one. Okay. One yeah, thing. special needs children. That's an that's a topic I had in mind on my list. We didn't it's, get to, but yeah, these there, there are things. There's people and services all over the place. Uh, then, then you find somebody's your, going to criticize this episode and saying we talk more about wolves than special needs kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry, yeah, that's yeah, just yeah, yeah, my yeah, personality yeah. coming out. Well, I apologize. There's an, but there's an over. There's it an is a concern there. of mine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a, it's what a if your kid is deaf? What do you do? It's a philosophical overlap. Um, so you have these support groups at the local level, and and I'm telling you, there's basically anywhere in America, there's a homeschool family within a few miles of you or within a couple of blocks of you. So you meet a few different families and hopefully they're a little different how they go about it because yeah. some homes, some homeschoolers have a, a highly structured and they're going to, they're going to do institutional school in their home. What? Then you have other homeschoolers like, Hey, wake up in the morning, see what happens, integrate life with learning. You know, there are many different ways to home educate. Uh, in, so, in the, in the few minutes that we have left, um, yes. I wanted to ask you a couple of things. One is, let's say I'm a secular parent and I'm like a little bit uncomfortable by, it seems like there's a lot of Christians, a lot of religious people, and I'm just not religious, let's say. And I, tr- I do those steps because I trust you. You seem like you like wolves, you're sciencey. I'm sciencey maybe because I'm sec- I secular, at least I think I am, but I'm not really maybe. But let's say I'm a secular person who likes science and I like you and I trust you as a person. So I'm going to do that. And then I, I connect with these local support groups and they're just weird. What, what about that? Yeah. I mean, so, I just don't fit in They're They're weird. Right. A, a lot of these, a lot of these support groups will be Christian run or Christian oriented. However, uh, on the website, I just mentioned, 
I do not think that they are. I think they include any kind of group. And so you could and, start your own group for for secular uh, uh, people. There, there you go. But for but non weird secular people, you're not going to have you're you're not going to have any trouble finding eventually a support group where you feel like you fit in philosophically, religiously, politically, pedagogically, whatever you can find them. Uh, mm -hmm. I'll just, okay. I'll give you an example because I know Oregon. So Oregon has two statewide, two main statewide organizations. One is clearly unapologetically run by Christians. And another one is clearly unapologetically secular, or they call themselves inclusive. Hey, whatever. Okay. And, and a lot of these people, they don't particularly hang out together at homeschool co-ops, but <laughs> anytime a law comes up where they're trying to say, government, would you please leave us alone? They're together like hand in glove working together because Friends. they all believe in allowing parents to raise and bring up their children as they believe. That sounds really healthy. I yeah. really love that. That's awesome. And it's that way. It's that way in almost all the states. I, I know these people. I know these groups. Hmm. Uh, I interact with both groups who are on these different philosophical pieces of the pieces of the world. I think a lot of I think a lot of so-called secular they may may not use that word of themselves but just they might say non-religious or yeah. non yeah. or prefer not to say yeah. or whatever. Right. I think a lot of people are very disturbed by the schools too for yeah. academic reasons. They hate they hate the the fact. I think it's a lot of grandparents too that like that's not how it was when I was a kid. I mean, there's no standards and that's destroying us. The, the, the these kids can't think. They can't think for themselves. Yeah. The yeah. TikTok no, it's, mentality. It's the meme mentality. It's a short attention span. It's I'm entitlement. Glad you said that. Yeah. And I think a lot of secular-ish or non-religious folks have a big problem with that. You could call them the traditional liberals, the people that really do believe in free speech. Yes. I, I like the terminology. I, I talk about maybe I'm not right because you know philosophy. I call them classical liberals, you know, and Mm -hmm. and and i just did this while we we're talking i i was able to multitask i just i just googled i don't want to give google credit i internet searched <laughs> atheist homeschoolers right near the top of the pack there's a, a group atheisthomeschool.com you know you you want you're an atheist you want to hang out with atheist homeschoolers go to atheisthomeschool.com and see what's happening uh, but okay. my, but All I right. agree with you, uh, uh, Dr. Mel, is that if you look at education as having an objective of, for example, we used to talk about critical thinking, you're probably not going to get it in an institutional public school. If you're talking about the classical concept of tolerance, probably not going to get it in public school. Uh, if you're talking about depending, yeah depending there yeah, are some that do that still but some if you're talking about freedom to explore and not have to follow a government controlled curriculum every day the bell rings at 45 minutes and you got to move on to the next topic whether you learned anything or not whether you're interested or not you're not going to get that in public school there are a lot of things in the freedom space called home-based parent-led education you never could do, even if a teacher wants to do it for you. The teachers, some teachers dream of doing these wonderful things, but they cannot do it. Yeah. Well, um, the, the last question I had for you, Dr. Ray, is 
what's a typical day for you? Like, what do you, what time do you get up? Do you have coffee? <laughs> what time do you go to bed? Yeah. So I get up, I won't be too specific, but before 7 a.m. <laughs> do you need an I, alarm? I do. I, I use an alarm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, probably don't need it, especially in the springtime. Hmm. And I go on the, and I read a thing called the Bible. Do you have do, coffee with that? Do you eat something? No, no, I'm, I'm on the floor and I do calisthenics. I do uh, stretches and push-ups and sit-ups and uh, wow. calisthenics. And then I, then I move on. Uh, I've got the water heating up. So yeah, I've got the coffee getting going. And then uh, about every, I'm kind of a routine guy in some ways, but I'm very adventurous in some ways. So mm -hmm. then I'm uh, on to breakfast. I eat a full breakfast. Uh, oh, by the way, we have a little six acre farm. So I let the sheep out and or feed the cow and or a couple of days ago, slaughtered a cow with a son-in-law by hand. Well, I used a, a certain <clears throat> metallic thing with some projectiles to put it down first, uh, helped him gut it out. Uh, so then I, I take care of the animals. Then I go on to breakfast is kind of every other day, eggs and uh, toast. What, what and, time would that be at? Oh, that's around eight-ish. Okay. Yep. And then every other day is more like, goat yogurt with frozen blueberries and homemade granola with my, black, with my black coffee oh i put a few i put a few raisins in there too for the sweetener i got a little bit of a sweet tooth so and you then, have did you say you have how many animals do you have do you care to say well until two days ago uh let's see <laughs> i think right now we have a little flock of about uh 16 sheep with a bunch of lambs thrown in there, two rams, uh, two cats, big dog. And then the cow's gone. <laughs> the uh, cow's, the cow. <laughs> well, was it a milking cow? Was it a parts milking? Parts the butcher block right now in the kitchen. Okay. Um, <laughs> as she, no, she was a, a lame dairy cow that we got mm. for free. And so now she's going to provide protein to at least two families. Wow. And then uh, let's see, do we have anything? Oh, oh, I left out. Um, my wife is taking care of 30 of the most beautiful, healthy chickens you've ever seen. <laughs> oh, so you got she, lots of she, eggs coming in. Listen to this. She buys organic feed, registered organic feed. Then she ferments it with apple cider vinegar for oh two my days. Gosh, they're drunk. They're drunk she, chickens. <laughs> you have drunk she, chickens. She feeds the chicken. And during the middle of the winter, she is getting about 26 eggs per day out of 29 hens and one wow. rooster. <laughs> what? That's How did she get that idea? Well, we, we, um, we had not had chickens for a few years. And uh -huh. uh, she wanted to bless me. I like eggs and, and oh, yeah. children and, and friends and people mm. in our church and and she likes chickens. Her aunt used to raise chickens. Um, so there's some, there's some history there. We've had chickens before, but we, we had a, a hiatus for a few years. And so back to chickens. Oh and, I, oh, and the other thing was I built her an enclosure that was kind of her dream chicken yard mm. and tried to build so a chicken keeps coop. Keeps the foxes she, out or the coyotes yeah, out. And, yeah. And build a chicken coop that's more like what she wanted. And so got back yeah. to it. Then I, ride, then I ride my bike to the office. 
five, five and a half miles. And then I sit here and, and now you have a separate building. This is not your home. Yes. I go to a, used to be a nice old fashioned house, but now I'm in an ugly little office space. Okay. Uh, I'm on the computer all day long, email, Mm -hmm. email, email, Mm -hmm. uh, literature search, reading, data analysis, talking with people about the next research projects, writing manuscripts, submitting them to journals, writing booklets and reports, putting them online or, or just whatever. I do wow. media interviews. I serve in courts as an expert witness in court cases. Wow. Um, yeah, just all over the place. Speaking of the media, so this is 19, think about this, 1988. You were pretty young then. Was, was, Professor, was, o, was Professor O even born? <laughs> I was the junior in high school. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I was in eighth grade if it was the fall. Okay. I was in okay, seventh yeah. grade if it was the spring. Okay. Okay. So it was, uh, it was spring. Uh, it was June of 88. Okay. I was the junior. Okay. June of 88. Uh, I was finishing my doctorate at Oregon state university. Which, by which the way, state is that? Is that in Oregon? <laughs> Oregon state university <laughs> in Oregon. Yeah. And, uh, Oh, it's in Oregon. Okay. Yeah. Oregon State University. So my, some people thought it was, but my dissertation was not on homeschool. Hmm. Uh, that, that's a whole nother story about the, the politics of, of your doctorate and all that. Oh yeah. Do you have a couple more minutes? Yes. Okay. So, Absolutely. so I had learned of home education. Almost nobody was doing it then. Very little research had been done. This is the mid eighties. Remember I started the journal in 85. Yeah. The journal 85. I was night. I was, I was in fifth grade. Okay. Started the not, not being, not in, being encouraged to question my gender, by the way. <laughs> right, exactly. Ray, Reagan was president. Top yeah, gun yeah, had yeah, just yeah. been in the theaters. Yeah. Okay. Along with karate kid. Actually top yeah. gun was about to come out. Karate kid right. had already been out. Okay. All right. So we're setting the stage, setting the stage. Yeah. That's good for that context. Um, and, and around 85, my doctoral, my doc, my department and my doctoral committee both said, yes, you may go ahead and do your research on homeschool kids, comparing them to public school and private school. Like, cool. That's interesting. It can be fascinating. Science, a science education thing, uh, topic, uh-huh. but then magically suddenly out of the blue, my department said, no, you're not doing that. We don't think blah, 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 that it fits blah, 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 blah. And I thought I am not going to win this argument. And I want to get my PhD. Mm-hmm. So I dropped it. I mm-hmm. thought I'm going to do it just on public school kids. On the side, on my own, I also collected comparable data from private school and homeschool children. Mm-hmm. Kept the data in my database, finished my doctorate dissertation on that public school kids. As soon as they handed me my diploma, I'm out mm-hmm. of there. I can do whatever I want. Right at that very same time, the NBC Today show from New York City called me up and said, hey, I, I, maybe I was Dr. Ray by then. I don't even know if I had my diploma yet. We want to fly you out to New York City from the West Coast, put you on the show for seven minutes with the president of the National Education Association wow. to talk about homeschooling. Did you have like, your beard back then? What in the? Uh, yeah, it was brown. <laughs> Okay. So you look like a legit professor at that, of that like, era. What? That's cuckoo nuts. You know, I'm, I'm just a little punk cool. nobody. Like I still am. And they're going to fly me out there. Literally had just moved my wife 
and some children to Seattle left her while friends we didn't know were unloading our stuff. And I flew out of SeaTac airport, looked down, I could see our house and the rental truck flew (laughs) to New York city. They picked me up in a limousine, took me to a fancy hotel, Hmm. got me in the next morning when I'm, you know, tired because three hours off, put the powder on my face. I met the host, go on the show president of the biggest i think that's the biggest union in the country mm-hmm. and and anyway a, a good friend of mine who's an attorney prepared me what to do it worked perfectly so that was the beginning that was the beginning of you know experience of the media mm. so i do that too that's what i do during the day and and just dink around here and read stuff wow. and have fun I, be, I bet being in nature like that helps you riding your bike it's very it's, nice. Yeah. It, 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 it kind of clears my head and I can ponder things mm-hmm. on the way in, on the way home. Yeah. And sometimes I'll get in, I got to write down right away some of the thoughts I had or get home. I write a few thoughts down after I hug my wife and kiss her. <laughs> then I try to put, I'm kind of a segmented guy. I try to get home and that's it. I'm with you have her boundaries and, in other words. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with her and that's what we do. And what time do you go to bed typically? What time do you fall asleep? Do you think? Oh, between 10 and 11. Okay. Well, thank I you for a, giving. I, read a little bit at, I might read a little bit at night. I might read a, I don't read many novels. I might read Theodore Roosevelt's African Game Trails. I might oh, read, wow. I might read a novel, not very often. Um, mm-hmm. I might read. But you're not, you're not watching television. You're not no, watching Netflix no, no, no. or something like no, that. T- t- TV. I think basically, I think we basically blew it up. Yeah, I don't know. A few years, yeah. into, a few years into our marriage. Okay. Well, good. Our, our our family was upset with us because we did not have one, so they made us have a TV and bought us a little black and white TV. <laughs> <laughs> so so we we we're not TV junkies. I I would have to admit, over the last few years, I've started to watch a few more, uh, you know, online. I'm not going to give credit to any particular video platform but right. i've watched a few more videos in the evening of uh you know let's say people who i disagree with a bit on some philosophy and everything mm-hmm. or uh or some very select and very educational hunting channels yeah <laughs> i tell my yeah. wife that's education education there you go yeah. i learn some I of learn this about, good i learn animal behavior and uh, yeah survival right. skills survival skills there you go you can you can spin <laughs> it in any number of ways. <laughs> well, we appreciate you giving us a, a look inside your life and, and what uh, an academic homeschooling organization uh, thinks about during the day and, and yeah. advocates for, for us all, really. I, I consider Absolutely. you an advocate for, advocate for everybody. Yeah. I'm glad, uh, because, I'm glad you see it that way. Because Absolutely. I, I, want, I think you're a public oh, servant, ironically. I want the best education. <laughs> you the truly best are. Yeah, Best education a, for children. I, I totally get that from you. And I think that comes across very well. Dr. Brian Ray, we really appreciate it. Curtis, you have anything else? Uh, no, I mean, I, I echo everything you just said. It's been a pleasure being with you, uh, Dr. Ray, and letting us look at everything and, and discuss your your concerns and the things that you address with, with uh, it, uh, your organization. It's great. It's great. Keep it up. 
Well, I really uh, appreciate it. It's great being on and being able to cover such a wide variety and letting me touch upon yeah. different things. And you, sure, yeah. up, these are great. These are great things to think about. And I think all parents, mm. all Americans, all Koreans, all Germans, mm-hmm. all every, everybody needs to think about these things. I mean, you have, you have mm-hmm. situations like Germany where they still ban parent led home based education. They don't, they don't want people to have that freedom. And that started back in the era of, I mean, literally it started back in the era of the national socialists and they still ban home education. Mm. Uh, mm. We, we need to be thankful for that in, the, in America. We're leaders. We are leaders in the terms of educational freedom and, and we need to keep that. Yeah, absolutely. Our, our country depends on it. Our ch- not only our children, but our, our future depends on it. So thank you for all of the service you have rendered us and continue to do so. You're welcome. Enjoyed being here.